So how you been? Good. Been how's, the, how's keto? I was going to say, it finally caught up with me last night. It hit me hard. The keto, the keto, the keto flu? flu? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I've uh, been loving the food. I had some turkey bacon this morning. That was amazing. And feeling full. Loving feeling full. Yeah. Well, I'm still learning like how much meat to buy and like what I like. So I'm like really in the experimental phase, which is actually kind of fun. Yeah. But I mean, it's a bit of a learning curve. Well, I, I wonder the, um, for me, fat particularly, maybe protein too, since it digests so slowly, but I just, again, I'm not hungry. Like, yeah. I find myself eating, not because I'm hungry, mm-hmm. but eating because, oh, shoot. It's you want to. dinner time. Yeah. No, yeah. It's like dinner time <laughs> and I better eat something. Right. Um, which is different for yeah. me. So. Well, here's a question for you. How do you know, like, what, what affects your ketosis and if you're running on ketones or not i know you can get the strips and and try that out but like if you don't eat enough fat like like if you if you have some meat but you didn't like get all the way full or whatever like do you have to have a ton no i don't think you have to have a ton you just have to have no sugar that's okay that was my question yeah no carbs no carbs. okay and then you automatically you you force your body into ketosis and i think i'm not sure but i think um when you're just starting out your body's not good at the switch I don't know if there's any As sense, I noticed any, last night. <laughs> any sense to that. And it takes a long time to get there. Okay. Um, and then later you go in and out more easily, mm-hmm. you know? So if you cheat, you're out of ketosis and, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, so the keto flu hit you. It's, it it's hit not, me. It, it, that's what a blood sugar low is feeling. feels like. Okay. So you felt nauseous, thick headed. Yeah, it was stomach stuff. No, I avoided oh, almost stomach. everything. Stomach. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, we don't need it. You don't describe for yeah. the podcast. No. But but um it's funny because I thought I avoided that. It was it was like a, a week and a half or so and I thought I was like out of the blue. Um but I was having a conversation. Somebody was like, "Why are you switching?" You're like, "What are the benefits have you seen?" I'd only been like a few days, but already I felt like I noticed uh more energy, better focus a little bit already. And just after like maybe 4 or 5 days, better sleep I've noticed. Way better sleep. Isn't that funny? That's awesome. And I used to have migraines like you. I, I guess I used to already because it's only been like two weeks, but I haven't popped any migraine medicine in two really? weeks. That's, That's awesome. Ser- I'm amazed. I'm amazed. Wow. You were um, taking sumatriptan or something or what were you taking? I had that. I would start with like um, Excedrin migraine yeah, yeah. if it was yeah. not too bad, but if it was bad, I had sumatriptan. Yeah. And I haven't, I could basically throw those away, I feel Is like. That's funny. Yeah. It's crazy. Me too. And I was same, talking to I was talking to someone, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm doing keto now." And they're like, "Yeah, did you hear any of those stories from people?" And like, it cures all their stuff. And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> That's exactly right." Yeah, it's so. funny. I and I have a friend, you know, speaking to the extent. I, I always wondered about taking this sumatriptan, which is a vaso uh, dilator or constrictor. Leo's vasodilator. Okay. No, constrictor. Okay. Constrictor. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. what happens is the inflammation. Uh, makes it get big and that causes the pain. Um, anyway, uh, I was talking to a friend and he had headaches. He's a psychiatrist um, and he has headaches all his, for long, years and years. And he knows the source is like caffeine and caffeine withdrawals. He's addicted to coffee, has way too much. <laughs> uh, so all he does is he offsets it with aspirin. Mm. And he called me, he's about my age, and he called me and he's like, Apparently, I've just destroyed my kidneys. Ouch. And yeah, I've got a mess from all taking so much because it just pops, you know, five, 10 aspirin yeah. a day for years. 
Uh, so I don't think it's probably great to be dependent on yeah. medication. Like I agree. That. Yeah, but it's, so, at the same time, it's not easy though. Like the keto, there, there's aspects that are like it. Like I like the steak; uh-huh. that's fun, but it takes a long time to cook it. You know, and like some stuff. There's like like you're always talking about two sides of an equation, right? There's mm-hmm. benefits and trade offs, yeah. and I've been noticing that. Yeah. Well, you got you know you have nuts. Yeah. Get yourself like twenty pounds of macadamia nuts. Yeah, it's good stuff. What else? What are the snacks? What are my go-to snacks? I've been cheesing it pretty good. Cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Cheese, nuts. Um, like avocado. Yeah. And, you know, people get creative. I'm just not that creative. I throw, yeah. like, in my... I'm not a coffee drinker. I'm a tea drinker. Uh, and I throw, like, half a cup of heavy cream. <laughs> right. And, you know, I drink that. That's what I'm sitting here with this morning. Yeah. And I drink that, and I have... Um, I'm just not hungry. I'm not even hungry by noon. Yeah. But I eat. Are you doing noon. one meal a day? Like, no, kind of like I'm doing lunch? a noon and a six. Oh, okay. So what's your, like, go? are you having, like, a, a heavy meal for lunch or dinner? Or not really? No, about like, the what, same what are you size. eating? Like, I what's imagine, your thing? I imagine they're both about 800 calories, uh, okay. maybe 16 total. Um, but the thing about the keto is, you know, it's not, you know, I grew up with, you know, I wrestled for 12 years. I didn't know that. And um, so weight watching, calorie counting was a thing. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, learned to do that really young. You know, I started wrestling in my program. They started you at like seven years old. Oh. So it was like. Weigh-ins. Yeah, and, yeah. So, yeah. So you're starting, you aren't, you aren't cutting weight at that point. But, you know, yeah. once you're in high school, you started cutting weight. And so the calorie, and it turns out the calorie thing is just kind of bogus. Hmm. Um, it matters what the calories are. It matters mm. what that glycemic index is. And you can just, you can pound, four, I'll bet, I'll, I could be wrong, but I think you could pound 4,000 calories a day of protein and fat, and you won't gain any weight. It just, your body can't do it. Yeah. So. My mind doesn't compute this as, as a vegetarian for like 30 years. Like, that's not what I was told. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh, wild. Um, Talking about the the milk, you know, like in your tea, right? That's what you do. Or the, the heavy cream. So. <laughs> This is weird. I, I was like an oat milk dude in my coffee forever, and that's been actually kind of a weird switch because it totally changes the flavor of the coffee. I got used to it. Interesting. And I love coffee. I yeah. mean, I live on coffee. And I was, I did like a half and half, the heavy cream, just like straight up milk, trying them out. And it's like I haven't found one that... I haven't found it. Yeah, because it feels like drinking butter almost, which is fine. Oh, and I'm learning about butters too, by the way. <laughs> like Kerrygold. That's pretty Kerry, pungent. Kerry Gold's, good. <laughs> Kerry Gold's good butter. The the uh, I ran into. Uh, I think I shared it with you. I ran into a um, a guy who does like a week of bacon, and then oh, he does yeah. a week of steaks. He did like a week of butter. Butter, just that butter. Weird. That's all he ate was butter. Yeah. And he had these concoctions, browned butter. Oh right. I think they like donuts or something, right? And they ended up looking like donuts. And <laughs> you know, people. I looked at some comments, and people were raving about. I'm like. I don't know if I could do that, but uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. I'm, I've always been a meat guy, um, and I enjoy, I enjoy the effects. Right? Yeah, I feel much better. So I'm just trying to dial in. Are you having like a tomahawk-sized thing for one of your meals, or is it like just a regular, like a strip steak? Yeah, s- size. Just regular strip steak, or you know, my daughter is a, a great cook, and she'll make you know. Vietnamese meal or you know fajitas or something okay you know? and then so once in a while I'll cheat and have a tortilla with it um 
And does that affect you at all? Probably. You know, I don't track going in and out anymore yeah. of, uh, of it. But, but you don't uh, feel like the headaches don't come back. For no. Us, like, so like, but at um, Christmas time, I cheated a lot. You know, yeah. all the families in town, you're having these meals. And so, yeah, I was, I was eating a, a lot more carbs than I would normally do. And I, I felt it both, you know, head and stomach. Interesting. And I gained, and I gained weight. I, I gained like 10 pounds in wow. a month. And it's like, that's crazy talk, you know, because yeah. I don't. So, so do you just factor just, that in as like every year I'm just going to be doing that around the holidays? Yeah, I might be more careful next year. Okay. <laughs> this, this year was a lot of candy. There was, a, there was just candy everywhere. I don't know. Yeah. People bought just and sent us candy and their, you know, baskets. And, yeah. And if it's around, I will grab it just from a, it's not even a craving. It's just, you know, you see it. Yeah. Like, eh, that one, that would taste good. So did you get the keto flu again? I don't get the keto flu so much anymore. Anymore. Going in and out. So I don't know if that's just your initial times or... You're used yeah. to it now or something. Yeah. yeah. But Crazy. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's good. Um, I feel like I'm on to something. And that's like empirically. It's just like, oh, yeah, this is doing stuff. Yeah. So it's that's that's what's cool. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I hope it has a long term. And again, I hope we don't find out in 20 years that we're 180 degrees the wrong direction. And... Uh, yeah, um, well, our, our arteries are clogged up, and I'm gonna go get a so I'll I'll share with you. I'm gonna go get another heart scan. Uh, oh, okay. By the way, I suggest to any listeners if you're in you know, once you're hitting your 40s, 50s, uh, to do calcium scan uh, of the heart. It's kind of the gold standard. It's better than stress testing. Um, uh, and what it is is you they do a CAT scan, and they look for mm. calcification. So the plaque in your arteries. Uh, after some time, first it's soft plaque, and then it turns into calcified like bone. So you have you have your tube, and you got <laughs> you got a little kind of it's almost like a scab in there, turns into bone. And what happens is, for heart attacks, it gets too big and clogs, or yeah. it breaks off and floats through, and then clogs and gives you strokes or right. whatever. This is this is what goes down. So that's how I actually uh, I think I mentioned last time. That's how I discovered it. But uh, yeah, if you if you don't get a doctor's order. And you just call up a hospital or a um, imaging center off the street. They have this deal for like a hundred bucks. You can go get a CAT scan. So CAT scan is usually like fifteen hundred bucks. Right. But they give you. They've turned it in. It's capitalism at work. It's non-regulated capitalism. Yeah. There's less regulated capitalism. Right. Because right? you don't have a, a artificially constrained supply of doctors. Right. Uh, giving you a prescription to go. You know, and all all this uh, rigmarole. Um, so yeah, for a hundred, hundred fifty bucks, you go in, you get a heart scan. And it's the best possible measurement to know how your heart health is doing. And is that the exact thing you got before you went on the boat and that helped you discover yeah. the whole and then And then what happens change. is once you have it, you can you now have baseline. You can try I mean it's a it's a three D image of your of all your heart investments. Yeah. And so you can look over the years and see what yeah. you know, what's growing, what's not growing, how you're okay. doing. Now so. but I've been told all my whole life that uh, things like cheese and milk and whatever, and dairy products, uh, I guess meat products are going to give me like high cholesterol. Yeah, and that that's going to cause the buildup in the heart. That's what you know? we all heard. Yeah, it's all what we all heard because the, you reversed that. Yeah. Well, you well, you know what? I think what they did it was almost like a, a simplistic scientific observation. Um, you know, you you see, you wash dishes and you see how the grease coats mm-hmm. <laughs> the mm-hmm. the fat sticks to the stuff. Yeah. Right. And so the assumption was. Um, that that caused it. And I think what they're, and like I say, I think we're getting close to settled science. Um, 
in fact, I was going to send you, I found that Time magazine where they reversed to a smiling omelet yeah. um, with the egg yolks as eyes. And, and, uh, but I think it's settled, and I think what happens is um, that cholesterol is your body's effort to help. Uh-huh. So you have inflammation, maybe you have micro uh, fissures in your veins and arteries. Um, and again, I'm not a doctor, so don't take any of this for uh, yeah. <laughs> for ground truth. But I think what happens is you have like micro fissures and whatnot due to uh, metabolic disorder and inflammation. And then your body's like, oh, you know, help. And so it, it sends cholesterol to patch that stuff up, mm-hmm. right? And so there's a correlation there, obviously. Yeah. have damage, the cholesterol is there. Yeah. Well, it's like I have a wound and I have stitches. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I shouldn't have had the stitches. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. what caused the, the wound. <laughs> right. Right? So uh, I think that's what happens. And Well, you brought up the inflation. or, or uh, what, I'm sorry. Inflammation. inflammation. That's a key word that I keep running into as I'm looking at keto stuff. And people are like, well, I had inflammation, whether it was arthritis or headache. And it's just like that seems to be causing a lot of problems for people, that inflammation. Yeah, yeah. So. It was, uh, I think I mentioned Kurzweil's book. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Because um, he wants to it, it, life, ex- life, life extension, it. but his deal was, you know, he, he went, he had a position. He, he founded a company f- um, that made Kurzweil keyboards, like oh. some of the first synthesizers, Okay. right? And then he oh, made yeah. a company. He came out of MIT, and then he made a company that uh, made the first uh, reading machine. So for people with macular degeneration, hmm. blind people, they could put a book in and it would read it to them. This is way before, you know, to us, this all sounds like yeah. commonplace, but <laughs> it was a big deal, right? And so he made some decent money. He's a position to, um, uh, and he's a futurist now, but he went out and found what he considered to be the best doctors in mm-hmm. the world, um, maybe unbiased, yeah. maybe doctors seeking truth, yeah. um, and wrote a book with one or more of them. Um, and he was like, they were, they were basically saying, and this is maybe 20 years ago, they're saying, we're going to find that inflammation is basically at the heart of most problems, mm. even, even a lot of cancers. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So long story short, yeah, it's, it's going good. Excellent. Minus last night, but did, I'm getting past that. Did I share with you the cancer, um, deal with keto? Uh, don't know if you did. So there's a, there's a, um, clinician doctor, uh, I was reading about, and he was saying that, um, and, and I, I, do, I dove in a little deep, and it looks to be the case, that cancers require sugar to grow, which we all know. Um, in fact, that's why they have what a PET scan, they call it, mm. when you have cancer. And what that does, it's, you know, it's an imaging, and it, they, they shoot, up, shoot you up with a radioactive dye, and... Um, the, can- the cancer cells and tumors take up a lot of sugar, a lot of glucose, glycogen, I don't know, whatever it is, and they light up. So on this image, you can see where the cancers are. And so I kind of knew about this whole like cancer like sugar. Well, apparently, they can't function on ketones. The rest of your cells that mm. are not damaged, that aren't broken, yeah. can run on ketones. It- they have to shift over like you experienced last night, mm-hmm. but the, um, <laughs> the cancer, the tumors don't. So this guy treats tumors by keto. Interesting. Just cuts out sugar and the cancers stop and reverse. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see that play out if it, if it bears out scientifically. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that's, yeah. that's interesting. It's like you could get off so many different medications almost with this. 
Now, it's close to paleo. There's differences, right? But paleo similar. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole idea with paleo was like have what the what cavemen have yeah. or whatever you want. And, and so you're, you know, a lot of the stuff, the tests that you can run and stuff today, it occurred to me, you couldn't have done that like X hundred years ago. But, but if that's, people feel like there's value in paleo and people, if they're really eating like that, you know, then they were just getting the benefits kind of without yeah. the scientific like yeah. backing. It was just like an inherent thing yeah. maybe. Yeah, you know, uh, I I've researched before uh, genetically similar, you know, apes and uh, baboons and so forth. Yeah, questions like, do they get cavities? Yeah. Uh, apparently not, <laughs> right? Uh, do they, you know, do they die of cancer? Apparently not. You know, mm. a lot of things that uh, seem to afflict us don't seem to afflict some animals. Yeah. Um, and so you've got to think that's something we're doing, you know. I, 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 yeah. I don't know, but that works for me. That's interesting. Now, this is a perfect way to segue into something I want to ping you about, um, and that's the topic of biomimicry. So I ran into this. There's so many examples, but here's a, a peregrine falcon, and um, it has a little tubercle in its nostril. I'm not using the right word for the nose thing. And if it were to dive too quickly, like do its normal dive, its lungs would explode because that's too much air. So it's got this tubercle awesome. to regulate the airflow. Well, it turns out that humans have settled on a pretty similar solution for airplane engines. They got the little thing in the middle um, and that helps to regulate the airflow. Um, so I wanna say um, there's so many examples of humans um, arriving at solutions that nature already arrived at. It's And I want your take on that. That, no, I, I... I love that. Um, one of my uh, class I had in undergraduate uh, school was um, audio, audio and image processing. Audio. Anyway, we went in kind of deep into the cochlea and the eyeball, and you know, and, and, and you know, technology's yeah. effort toward, and and it's truly amazing. It's like the I don't know if you know much about the cochlea and how the ear works, but you have all of these little, uh, you know, for better, for, for non-technical term, all these little hair nerves. Yeah. Okay. It looks like a cornucopia. So it looks like a, yes. a cone that's wrapped up. Mm -hmm. And then you have all these little nerve hairs, right? And what happens is sound waves, it's like perfectly sized and tuned mm -hmm. that the low waves can hit here and that stimulates those hairs. Yeah. And the higher waves, higher energy waves, make it down to the end. Yeah. And I was always amazed at, you know, the perfection of that design. That, yeah. That's so cool. That's, that's very impressive. interesting. Yeah. And so it's like <clears throat> you can look at biology and use it as a blueprint almost for many things. Some like cutting edge scientific. I, yeah. I know this happens. Like, yeah. uh, so, like, have you ever run into this particular insect? I'm not even going to try to pronounce its uh, scientific name. I, it Looks might, like a cicada. <clears throat> it's something it? hopper is the popular, okay. but it has basically Look at, gears in Look its legs, like straight up gears. If you're watching on YouTube, <laughs> you can see this. Now, I mean, those are gears if you look at it. Am I right? Those that's, are gears. That's awesome. And <clears throat> so nature, and here's another kind of view of something similar. And is it, is it like a joint? <clears throat> where the yeah. It's going to help it with its hopping. Now, those gears, I mean, those are straight up gears if you look at them. Those existed long before a human probably invented the wheel yeah you know what i mean yeah. Yeah. now what do you make of that yeah no i mean that's I, crazy i think if you don't look to nature you're uh you're definitely missing out 
day. I, I, um, so I lived on a lake in Virginia and, um, I bought a canoe. Hobie Cat made this cool canoe that you pedal, reciprocal pedal, and it had like flippers underneath. And they were just the way a fish's tail works. Oh, right? yeah. So it wasn't sure. a, you know, a paddle wheel or a propeller. Yeah. It was nature inspired. And that thing moved. You know, yeah. I could just sit back there and pedal and fly. Um, and it was, you know, inspired by nature. Yes. So, so okay. So I'm, I'm kind of diving from that into when it comes to AI and like lar large language models, um, is there just almost like a built-in rule to the universe in terms of how language works almost like a cosmological constant but for language and understanding mm. because we're talking about biomimicry right um and it's like the ai arrives at by guessing the next word or whatever it arrives at a certain output it's almost like it, it has to under the circumstances because there's like a, a rule a law of how understanding and words come together yeah what do you make of that i think idea? i'm i'm not the guy to speak on that there's a, there's a um um noam chomsky mm. so he's the uh i think he's at mit um linguist semantic you know the probably the best on the planet supposedly he's very very liberal mm -hmm. um uh, leaning and uh, you know a lot of <laughs> a lot of a lot of debates there on um, on his his takes, but you know I, I think those people think there is. I don't really you know to me. I think you know there's there's ground truth, there's logic, there's math, mm -hmm. right? There's things, but I don't know if language. You know, when you're trying to approximate symbols, basically trying to approximate reality. You know, mm -hmm. you go to uh, Socrates in the forums, right? Plato in the forums. Yeah. Um, we're trying to, we're trying, and, and think about that. A lot of our disagreements are caused by that. We have, mm -hmm. we're trying to approximate an idea with a word. And there's some general, we have dictionaries, there's some general acceptance to the meaning, but it's not always quite the same and we end up in a lot of debates or a lot of div division yeah. over it. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. <clears throat> um, hmm. Well, I guess my, my main question is, does it mean anything? What does it mean? And does it mean anything? Um, if nature can arrive at something like gears and legs long before humans were even going down that route, trying to, you know, yeah. well, does it mean anything? Yeah, well, maybe it means, you know, you brought this up uh, last time we talked Maybe it means, you know, it based on physical principles, right? So there's truth in physics yep. in there. And, you know, something is going to work a certain way when you do something. Mm -hmm. And so there's only so many ways to create motion, mm -hmm. maybe, right? Mm -hmm. or, and, or, you know, I think of muscles and, like, you know, in robotics you have linear actuators, mm -hmm. which is kind of what we do a lot of, yeah. right? Muscles are kind of a linear actuator and they have, uh, you know, in, in robotics and automation, they have analogous things. It could be an air cylinder going in and out. Right. Um, there's rotary actuators. There's only so many ways to do this, but, um, I, I did see an interesting, can't, don't remember who did the research, but they, 
they basically programmed an AI with the goal of moving. So, you know, there's a, there's a character, it was just like a stick. I, I don't remember what it was. And its goal was to move. And so it came up with hopping, mm, you know, mm-hmm, over mm-hmm. iterations. And it came up with tumbling, just falling over. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then falling all forward again. <laughs> and, and so it came up. And so, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, if you have millions of years to evolve different trials, you know, now yeah. we do... Now we do millions of years in, in minutes or seconds on a computer. Um, so it's it's fun to watch how some of those well, things happen. Well, um, yeah. So you brought up robots, and I think that's a great example. If you look at Optimus and figure, you know, these are like humanoid-looking things. And the question is, is that because we want these to operate in places where humans have operated? Or is there something deeper there where it's like this is a design that is um, optimal for certain reasons? You know, I mean, yes, if you put it in your house, it's the same height and has like digits so it can like get the egg out of your fridge and cook you an omelet. But is there something else like why? Like if you could do anything, why are you going to do a humanoid robot? Oh, so Musk has a good take on this. And it's that our environment is made for humans. So. But why would why would I, you know, the most he's not a theistic. Why? Why would he? Well, it's 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 that it's that, you know. Like think about the height of a doorknob or the height of a counter or right. reaching to cabinets. All that stuff is designed for our approximate shape. By humans. Right? Yeah, by humans for humans. Right. Right. And so if you're going to make, you know, uh, an automated device, a robot to do that, he thinks the best way is to have it. You know, what traditionally the easiest way has been R2D2. Right, it's like wheels. It can roll, but right. you look at R two D two. He couldn't do much versus C three PO, C three PO. Right, that's in the human right. right. He could do a lot more. Yeah, but so uh, I think it's that we just are now getting the ability to fully create what we think. And, and both figure. I was listening to figure the CEO of figure, um, and he mirrored what Elon Musk said. So they went. They went to make the uh, humanoid robot. The actuators on the market, I mean, and there's, you know, it's a big world out there making rotary actuators, linear actuators, and nothing they could find, both Musk and this guy said the same thing, nothing they could find sufficed. So both companies, Tesla and Figure, had to create their own actuators. Yeah. And from scratch. Right. To make it. But, you know, that's the cool thing where at this point we can do that. We can do it rapidly. Yes. But now, you know, even even like you could make a robot with all the actuators and stuff. It's copying like a human hand and fingers. Why not six fingers or three fingers or, you know, like. Well, it's probably that biomimicry thing, right? It's like that that is probably optimized to do the things we do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're we're it. It's an interesting conversation because um, underlying that, you you know, I'm sort of like. going around beating around the bush of like is there a purpose and a teleology behind everything because <laughs> oh, yeah. the gear existed in that bug long before everything it's like there's an optimal way to do things well i mean think, think the fact of, that it can be done that way in the first place you yeah know? think about it if we made a robot that was uh, eight foot tall it wouldn't do very well in our houses or in our you right. know, a lot of places uh, consequently, you've seen some of the small Samsung's releasing a small like house robot. I don't remember its name. Yeah, it's a small little, little rolling. Sphere. Yeah, and it's mostly probably you can interact probably through large language modeling. Right. It has uh, 
um, it has uh, cameras and so forth. But you know, it's what it's maybe 12, 18 inches tall, and what yeah. can it do? It can't really do anything. Bali. Uh, physically. Bali, is that Bali, its name? Bali, yeah. <laughs> Sphero, wasn't Sphero oh, yeah. one of them out of Colorado. a few years ago? Yeah. Oh, really? Were they yeah. out of Colorado? Interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. So form factor, it, you know, so it's just it's just interesting to me that humans design things certain ways, but also nature beat us to it. And yeah. it's, a, it's an interesting conversation. Yeah, well, and, and yeah, I, I think probably those who look at nature... You know, who, who was it? Uh, uh, da Vinci, very early on, studied the human body, very detailed. Uh, and he was maybe an early great inventor. And he tried to, I don't know if you, he had the wing, uh, flying wings for right. a person. He tried to look at nature and figure out how to do that. And, you know, maybe that's not the most practical way right now. But uh, I, I think looking at nature is probably incredibly yeah and it's not just nature like anywhere in the universe it's like nature here on earth earth wouldn't be here if you're looking at the standard model you know you have all these things that were like fine-tuned right out of the gate um and so it's like the fact that there's an option to fly the way that we do here with our atmosphere and you know like the da vinci could even be like let me copy the the bird wings like it's just that's not how things work like in other neighborhoods around space you know like there's something about Earth that seems mm-hmm. to be like a good place to learn. Um, something that drives certain people nuts is like, you know, um, the Earth and the, the distance from the Earth to the moon is such that you can have a, an eclipse where it lets you like it perfectly. I don't know if it's called occlusion. It perfectly covers up um, during the right kind of an eclipse. So you can like study um, whatever it is around uh, the sun. I forget the technical term. But it's like the perfect distance. Now, um, somebody who's like, that's not a that's not a design. Like, there's no God that did that so that we can study that. They're like, yeah, it wasn't like that um, a billion years ago. And it won't be like that in a billion years, you know, like. But then the question is, but why is it like that uh, when humans are here to see it and like and understand it? Like, why not a billion years ago? Or like, like, yeah. it's here when there's somebody on the planet who can take advantage of that. Like, that's what I mean when I say like, there's something about our planet. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I think, I think a good part of the scientific community pushes back on that and says, well, it's that the conditions of the moon at that distance during this period of time is what allows tides, which is a lot, what allows humans or, or, you know, uh, biology to, uh, uh, evolve or, or thrive. Um, yeah, that is, that's the, that's the like water will fill any shape, you know, the puddle will become the shape of whatever the container is. That's right. That's sort of like the pushback there. Like that's just the conditions, you know, but then the underlying question is like, but why it could have been any other way, you know, it wasn't when there was like single celled organisms, you know, who could do, you know what I mean? There, I think there's something a little deeper than, oh, there's definitely, I mean, I, we, we've talked about this before. I mean, there's definitely deeper you, no matter where you put it, you can be a young earther. You can be a, you know, evolutionist. Uh, you can be a big bang. You can, you're going to have to, at some point, have an ultimate cause, right? And yeah. From whence creation comes, or physics or universe or universes 
or simulations, <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if you, and this is what happens. I, I see a lot of, um, recently I see a lot of uh, scientists coming out as um, theists. Yeah. Right? A lot of and, people. And, you know, since we're in the West, they're I'm typically seen it be coming out as Christians. And I think what happens is, and I wonder if we have, you know, robots doing our jobs, kind of Maslow's hierarchy thing, right? I wonder if we, if we climb this pyramid toward self-actualization at the peak, if for those of you who don't know, Maslow's hierarchy is you, you, you take care of food and shelter. He was a, a psychologist maybe in the 1800s. And um, you take care of food, shelter, and then you get to graduate uh, up to now you can worry about security, how, how it's secure. And you keep moving up to the very top is self-actualization. And I wonder if we get to robotics and abundance uh, and obviously everybody won't take this tact, but I wonder if it will free more people up to question what, you know, that underlying, what, 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 let's keep walking back. What is that ultimate cause? Right. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's, that's an important, I don't know if our podcast is geared to do that, but I think it's an important. Yeah. Well, there's an interesting uh, quote. I forget who said it, but it's something along the lines of, you know, when you start going down the science rabbit hole, it makes you an atheist at first. But then if you keep at it, you're going to end up being a theist. Um, and I think there's something to that. I think there... I'm seeing people like Andrew Huberman saying that they he that's very a scientific mind there. Yeah. Coming out saying I I'm very yeah. comfortable saying I believe in God. Yeah. Someone I follow on Twitter who is a very respectable person. And I saw them like making the journey to theism kind of was David Burrell. And now he's that was my path. You yeah. Know, I um, I. I was very scientific. I was raised in a uh, Protestant church, um, but from like one of my earliest memories was a um, a Bible school teacher coming in and took apart a flashlight in a shoebox, shook it around for a long time, and said, "Is this going to go back together by itself?" And all the kids, "No!" in unison, right? And I raised my hand, <laughs> and I'm probably seven at this point, maybe five. I don't know, really, really young, and. And he's like, Richie, they called me Richie, uh, Richie. And I'm like, if you did it for millions of years, it might, <laughs> right? So that from my early age, that's how my brain worked. And I kind of went down that path. And it wasn't until maybe the last 10 years or so that probably time and luxury, knowledge, the internet yeah. allows that kind of self-actualization. It's like, okay, well, let's keep going. Let's yeah. go deeper. Let's look at absolute versus relative truth. Let's find out if there's, uh, you know, yeah, an ultimate cause, creation, and so forth. So. Well, sometimes I think people uh, don't know because they don't want to know, and that can apply to a lot of different things. Um, but you and I, I know we disagree a little bit on like uh, evolution. You know, like I'm, I'm microevolution. You see it, like beaks and feathers. They change as the yeah. population gets. Like, but the macroevolution, like you know, it wasn't just the Big Bang. Um, you know, so I would push back a little on the flashlight thing, but I know what you were saying yeah. when you were a kid. You, you you could see a potential way that, well, maybe, you know. Um, but, and, and the same thing is interesting with the flashlight. You know, you could uh, put a cell into a grinder and out come atoms. You know, it's hard for a scientist today. They can't put those atoms back together to make the cell. Like, there's something else there, information that's missing. Yeah, yeah and so I, I just, I do think the deeper you dive into it, you're at least going to be, um, a, a deist or a deist of some kind, you know? 
Yeah. You might not believe I, in a personal I God. Think I've, I think I've heard, the, isn't there something about you can't, atheism as itself is really kind of an intellectually dishonest statement. It's, it's like you can't prove a yeah. negative. Uh, you can prove, you, you know, so you need to be agnostic at worst. Um, saying right. you don't know and because we don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I watched, for, for years I've watched people like Sam Harris try and create, um, through his book, like Moral landscapes is mm-hmm. that what it's called maybe um try and create a humanistic morality a system for morals you know nietzsche mm-hmm. nietzsche is interesting right so he says god's dead but he was he was also like well this is going to be this is going to be terrible right and he predicted what then turned into 100 million dead because of right it, right it's like you can't have god be dead yeah um and you know, I, I think, I, yeah, I, I think you can't. My, my own efforts, uh, Sam Harris probably is the smartest guy, you know, one of them. I'll bet Sam's IQ is like 150-ish. I don't know. Um, and he's, you know, a neuro, neuro, uh, neurobiologist, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. And so I've listened to him intently trying to find, and it's, it's not there. I mean, he, he makes, it, it's not intellectually consistent. Yeah. Um, well, so. I would recommend a book called science and the good, which is it's, it's dense, but it, it, it attacks this issue of like, can you just, is it, is it really just a herd thing? Like it's good for the herd to have ethics, right. but you, you still cannot end up, you always arrive at a power structure. Someone is having to define this is good. And that is, there isn't like a universal good that way no yeah it's just whoever there there can't be no it's the tyranny of the majority yeah absolutely absolutely you just can't do it because harris wants to sit there and like you know use brain scans and like slice your brain and and like identify you know okay this person is feeling good right now so and that's the other thing it comes down to like feelings and subjectivity um but uh but yeah i had this conversation the other day and and the person i was talking to was like well how can you really know anything how, how can you know anything? You know, I'm just going to kind of do I, what I what I have, the knowledge I have. It seems to be doing all right. I'm not going to dive too deep because at the end of the day, how can you know anything, you know? Yeah, it's a pretty fatalistic attitude. Yeah, but then I, I think, though, there's a lot that you can know, and a lot of smart people have thought about every question you could ever think of over the years. And you can go back and sort of get the cliff notes on that. And I, I, I want to throw something past you. I was thinking about this week. Um you know, it's it's interesting to me. I was thinking about human knowledge, science, morality, etc., and we have this movement in society, and I was one of them, so I can speak about it. But we have this movement in society to just like de facto bend to scientism, yeah. right? Um, I can't possibly know about my heart disease issue, so I will just trust. The preponderance of the doctors, the you know the majority, whoever signed off on the uh, heart disease mm-hmm. pledge, <laughs> yeah, um, and yet we don't do a similar thing with morality. Yeah, you know, right. Another thing like science, you know, we've been studying, you know, probably you know since the Enlightenment seriously, uh-huh. and we build science on top of that for generations. And we use that then, and a lot of us just say, okay, that's the way that is. Um, and it's not always the way it is, because almost every major scientific revolution 
overturns the majority, right? Classical yeah. physics is is indeed not accurate, right? Quantum physics overturned two hundred years of Newtonian physics. Um, so if you didn't, if you weren't open to that, you wouldn't make progress. Yeah, right. Um, but we we don't do the same with morality. It's like we all just kind of make our own without listening to any authority mm -hmm. or any historical subject matter well experts. we do but we don't because like uh everybody wants to get paid what they feel they're owed and like no one's making that that applies you know like certain things just apply c.s lewis talked about the Tao, which was like this set of principles that every culture basically everywhere anytime kind of like affirmed and so the fact that that exists in itself regardless of the things like the fact that 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 even exists which i think it's pretty hard to argue against that, you know, like that says something in and of itself, but nobody wants to be cheated. You know, you can say right. like, yeah. you know, make it relativistic, but, but at the end of the day, like no one lives like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we have this inner, inner sense of morality. Yeah. But yet we have this conflicted sense of selfishness. Yeah. Right. right. And so it's like, it's that push and pull about how much do I go for myself versus how much do I look out for others? And I, I don't know. We just come down. I, I thought about this. I um, um, I know some. I know a. Uh, this is so. I'm now Catholic. I was moved basically from agnosticism to Catholicism, and I have a uh, prior to this. You know, ten years ago, I was talking to a friend who um, Catholic, devout Catholic. So now Catholics don't believe in um, birth control and uh, basically meddling with creation of life you know um definitely don't believe in abortion and so forth anyway this friend traditional catholics traditional catholic yes. conservative catholics yeah. well i mean yeah so <laughs> catholic dogma says uh i'll say that and this this person considered themselves very about catholic and they were basically like they did some i don't know some um in vitro fertilization or something like that and I'm like, and I was not Catholic. I'm just saying, I'm, a, and I, but I'm observing for a long time outside of this whole realm. And I'm like, well, I thought Catholicism, and I don't know because I'm not one, but I thought you aren't supposed to do that. You know, how do you reconcile that? It's like, well, you know, my wife and I prayed on it a long time, and we came to the conclusion that that's okay. I'm like, does it work like that? Because isn't it then relative? Can't everybody just right. make their own rule about everything? Then yeah. what is the point? Right. Right. It's like, it seemed off to me, you know, and that might have been early, one of my early beginnings in thinking, well, geez, seems like we should have some kind of objective truth. Yeah, because otherwise just feeling based. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you are God. There is no God. Like, and whether you believe in God or not, I mean, like, there's this drive to basically be a God, homo deus. This is Noah Yuval Harari, right? <laughs> don't, don't bring his name up anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I, I apologize. But... Take that out of the transcript. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that is ultimately, it's going to be power or I, because I say so. And yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And I think that leads to terrible results, right? Yeah. And we all, we all know that. Demonstrably. I mean, yeah. Fascism. I mean, yeah. power. I mean, it's just, again, I think what happened, we threw off, was it the second estate? The friend, the three estates in France, we threw off mm -hmm. the church. They threw off the church in the French revolution. And then Nietzsche, uh, you know, proclaimed God to be dead. And indeed... 100 million people dead in the following 100 years. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty intense. And all of it, you know, pe people, I, I, I've debated people about this. 
all of that was basically atheistic, um, you know, or, or agnostic driven power. People talk about Hitler's was, uh, you know, was, was, you know, Christianity driven and no, if uh, you look, if you take three seconds to look at it, yeah, no, it was propaganda. You yep. would say that, but there was nothing Christian about that. Um, Stalin's obviously wasn't. Mao's definitely wasn't. Idi Amin's definitely wasn't. So yeah. you know, and then I'll, I'll get the pushback. Well, but the Crusades. It's like okay, well, just go look at the Crusades. You know, all you know how nine, twelve, whatever, whichever ones you consider to be real Crusades, and. It was the tiny numbers. It was almost always in response to aggression by um, Islam, you know, and recon- wherever it was. And it just doesn't even it doesn't even measure in the realm of what's happened when we threw off any objective truth and morality. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Well, there's a you know David Berlinski has an interesting quote. You know, talking about the Nazi thing. Um, he was like, none of the people about to shoot people, you know, Jewish people, and and they'll fall into their grave. Were worried about what God was going to do to them afterward. Like they weren't Christians. No, no, no they they um, absolutely weren't. Yeah, the Devil's Delusion, great book, Berlinski. I don't know if you've read that. I've I've uh, I've seen I've read summaries of it. I've seen him speak, and it's good stuff. Um, you know, and I think about the same thing in my daily life, and I like your take on this, but I I do a lot of business activity. And I think about who you interact with, whether it be a customer or a business partner or an employee. And if they don't have like objective truth, how good is that really? Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, do I want to just second be guessing if they're going to screw me? Right. That's a lot of wasted energy. Yeah. Um, yeah. For any kind of long term planning um, and future benefit. Yeah. And that, if it's, you're talking about on a personal scale, but I think that applies to like the civilizational scale too. You know, like if you're going to do anything long term, you have to have experiments in society that you're like, okay, this worked, that didn't, and let's carry this one forward and let's not do that. And every time you want to yeah. like throw it all away and start over, it's uh, this, this, this has been a thing I've fought my whole life. I've had to like rethink of, but just my recency bias. Um, you know, that a lot of people, there are more dead people than living people and they, yeah. they've experienced a lot and yeah. to just throw away all of their learning and wisdom. And we do that today constantly. Yeah. Like I don't get that. I, when but I was young I, and I still do to this day, I'll talk to 80 year olds as much as I can and ask them, what yeah. would you do differently? What would you do right? What'd you do wrong? And try yeah. and learn because they live. I mean, why do I have to re and I would tell my kids don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Just assume that I learned some things, take it and have that head start. Yeah, but, but you're they, optimizing for success. Other yeah. people are optimizing for power. If you're not, you know, if, if you if you want more power, then and you can't get it any other way but by, you know, throwing out what was there in the first place. Then you know that's what that is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't. I mean, even power people should learn. I mean, wasn't it uh, uh, Napoleon going into Russia in the winter? I mean, maybe you should learn that from the past, right? Maybe <laughs> right. We, we should all not think ourselves uh, little mini gods and and learn from. Other yeah. people's successes and failures. Right. Yeah. I got something for you. Show me. I don't know if you saw this. Disney came out with something they're calling the hollow tile. I know you're a Star Trek fan. Did you see this? I did not. Okay. You're going to like this. Um, 
This is some Oh, tile. I did see that. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's your take on this? For the people who are just listening, there's a guy walking around, but he's not going anywhere because this hollow tile lets you basically have feel like you're moving without moving for VR. Yeah. Yeah, what's your take? Um, I saw an early, and it's not that much of a breakthrough, I saw an early uh, deal of that in the 90s. Um, when virtual reality first came out, I, I, I tried, ah, uh, boy, I can't, Veneer, Veneer, I think was his name, who invented it, um, some of the early virtual reality, and they were working, they, they had one that was a wheel, you're kind of in like a spherical uh, uh, mouse, uh, hamster wheel, oh, okay. is that what they call it, mm -hmm. where they run in a wheel, and so you could move. That would uh, just be one directional then, right? No, it was like a sphere. Oh, a sphere. And, and then, okay. And then another one had something similar that said it had some kind of wheels that you're walking oh, on. And so, uh, but yeah, they're definitely pushing to put us into a, you can be anywhere at any time. In Does this seem reality. fun to you? Like if you plug into VR or would you rather just be seated and use the thing, like aim where you want to go, you know? I, I, so I actually tried this out in the mid nineties and, um, it was funny, the computer processing powers, it was basically spheres, right? And you could walk, and I don't know if you were like, were you trying to shoot someone or find someone or tag someone? But it was just simple as geometry. Um, and I was trying to remember if it felt like actually, you know, it, it, I think if you're moving your body, you are going to feel like you're more there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And... I think that's probably got some, I mean, I see the attractiveness of gaming and uh -huh. VR. Yeah. And I just think it's almost like I see the attractiveness of drugs. Yeah. Right? But I think the damage, I think, you know, when I step back, it's like, okay, one, I might lose myself for five hours a day in, in uh, right. uh you know, what's Microsoft's uh, big game? Um, like Flight Simulator? No, no, the, the the futurist, the science fiction one. Anyway, Halo? Halo. Yeah. I mean, I lose myself in Halo for five hours a day. Yeah. Maybe I, that would happen. Yeah. So it's like, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to bother. Um, yeah. Because I think you don't want to do that. That seems like a path to the Matrix to me. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Well, it's, it's definitely interesting, but... I, I don't know, like, the... Oh, how is it moving there? Well, I don't know. I don't know what's under the bottom of this thing. I'm, I don't know how it works. Is there something under the stage, it it's looks like? moving the wheels? I thought maybe I just wonder. the friction of his feet. That's what I initially yeah, thought, to, too. But apparently it's directional. Probably more technical than that. Yeah, there's probably something underneath, like, rotating on the other all, side. All the balls. Think? Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. I'm not sure what, uh, you know, what the point of that is. Like, if, if you just... Here, I'll, I'll, re I'll reverse a little bit. When I was playing around with um, the MetaQuest Star Wars game, whenever that came out, um, before I really started disliking Disney recently, um, you know, it was weird. Like, it was not really great graphics, but it was still, like, fun to kind of be somewhere else. In fact, my my family would come play a joke on me, give me a heart attack, because I couldn't see him, you know, coming up, and then all of a sudden I'm fighting <laughs> the aliens, you know, and the, you know. Um, but I know that a lot of people have have been talking about if they've experienced if they've been in VR for a long time and they come out it feels weird like their hand doesn't feel like their hand for a while it takes like a while sure. to reacclimate to reality yeah um, and it's just like yeah I don't know I don't know that does it, is this is it beneficial to totally 
you know, like I, I don't mind like the stationary experience and like pointing to go somewhere. It's almost like more pri- like this isn't very practical. I guess is what not, I'm saying. Not practical, but nothing, you know, when it's just in evaluation and research, it's it's not, you know, R&D is R&D, yeah. but it shows you what could be coming. And, oh, yeah, it's definitely moving him. I didn't realize it was For, like, a theme park? This is Disney. Is it, you know, or is, are they envisioning, like, this being in your oh, room? You I, have a VR well, room. I think that's always the way. First they start, it's super expensive, so it only happens in, you know, amusement parks or whatever it is, and then it works its way down to where now it's in malls, and now it's, you know, you can get one in your house. So in several decades, you (laughs) go in a little container, and you you plug in this, and your robot goes around, does all the dishes, and... Surrogates. You ever see the movie Surrogates? Bruce Willis? I don't think I Um, do. Basically, it's like they they had... um, human basically they were like humans but they're clones or you know robots yeah and they would go into a pod you know like look kind of like a casket like you see in science fiction and they would live their day through this surrogate so if the Hmm. surrogate got hit by a car or whatever no big deal right they just make a new one and uh yeah i mean yeah it's almost like the tom cruise movie where he keeps coming back every day but just in a different format kind of yeah, you, or yeah. uh, Groundhog Day, like you just get unlimited chances. It's like a video game, really. And then you've lost your limit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ultimately, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. That's wild. That's wild. I um, it's completely off topic, but I found it interesting uh, watching this border issue happen this week, mm-hmm. and you know maybe it goes to human flourishing or, or not, but. I want to discuss it because it it seems like the old man's getting back together again, you know. As several states, several now we're up to twenty five. Twenty five states are are signed on to support uh, Texas in their. They aren't really defying the Supreme Court order. They're definitely defying the federal government, and uh, I think the administration yesterday said, "Hey, we're going to give you this much time to comply." Or, yeah, and so that's interesting. I think that has some deep implications. Yeah, we, yeah, this, this is, there's a lot of layers here. I, I feel like um, we talked a little bit about, you know, limits and what is reality last time. And I think the way that that applies here a little bit is, um, well, and I'm going to have to bring up his name again because he just talked about it this week. Uh, <laughs> Noah Yuval Harari, he was saying, you cut a person open, where's the human rights? I don't see him. You know, I see blood, I don't see the human rights. And where's the border for a country? I don't see that. That's just in your head. You know, that's like, that's made up. So um, the favorite thing of, of people who want to confuse people is to put everything on a gradient and, uh, and just to obfuscate. And, and so what is a, a human, you know, we can talk about like transhumanism and also what is a country like, and you can't have a country, you know, if you don't have uh yeah, there's the, no definition. Right, so it's like people just want to live live in a formless void, like, you know. So obviously that doesn't work. No one's going to be flourishing without um, actual rules, you know. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, we didn't have this level of immigration, quote-unquote immigration, either coming to uh, Europe or the U.S. in the recent past. You know, there's some, but not like this mm-hmm. um well and it was it was almost always legal right right processed and it was typically and it may be now 
I'm not judging it, um, but it was typically people who valued the U.S. not only for the opportunity but for the values, right? Yeah. And and you know I remember so many stories, um, German parents and probably Italians. You know, it's like you will not speak that in our house. Mm-hmm. You know, you will learn English to their children. Right. Because they wanted to adopt, you know, this wonderful lands uh, opportunity. And it doesn't seem like, and then we would take pauses. You know, there was always like, we would let the, and it, again, it was all legal. We let, you know, one million in and we'd take 20 years, let them assimilate and, and you know, get uh, uh, brought into the system. Um, and now I don't know what the numbers are. It's like 10 million. And illegal. We don't even know who they are, where they are, what's going on. Right. And now that's pretty sucky. Are they second class citizens? Well, what are they? Right. They don't have. Right. Uh, they don't have. And you're not even security. You're not even assuming that they are, but but we don't know. Is your point? Yeah. yeah. No, we don't. We, no, if they're illegal, I think like kind of definitionally, they don't enjoy a lot of the benefits that we do. Right? Yeah. They aren't going to get social security when they're sixty five, sixty seven. Right. It is. Um, the problem, I think the problem is we live in the digital age. And so geography means very little in terms of like what you believe and where you're located. So you can be anywhere in the world and have quote unquote American values, whatever you are going to say that it means, or, you know, you could live in Japan and, and, and you know, like mm-hmm. the, it's not the same as it used to be. And I, and so people are having this discussion, Dig- digital communities. Yeah. Like. You, you know, the geography yeah. in a lot of people's minds matters less. Yeah. And yet, how do you govern? How do you how do you have like a you society? Still, you still have to govern physical. Yeah. So so I think that ultimately you have people like uh, at the WF who want who are pushing globalism. And a lot of people, they just this all flies under the radar. for them. They don't care. They never heard of WF, you know. Um, and so even on that scale, like you're saying a world government, that's still like a government that's a that's an entity that's a state that's a thing you know so you can't get away from you know a state that you know as right. a thing and right. like rules and what happens so it appears to just be a way to blow up the system that was there it appears like that i i actually queried i have a, a friend who's um uh, very supportive of the administration and i asked you know, what's the scoop here? What do you think about that? Should we? And the take, you know, I've heard from others, uh, the take is like open borders, let's do it. His, his was not. His was, um, no, this is just a debate between state and federal power. It's like, yeah, but we have this issue. What about the immigration? What do you feel about that? Uh, and and he, he couldn't really pin him down. You know, oh, no, nobody wants that. We have an agreement. We only want this much. Uh, immigration. I'm like, yeah, that's legal immigration through, right. you know, what was Trump's line, a big, beautiful door in the <laughs> wall, right? Yeah. Um, if you don't, if you, yeah, I mean, it, it just seems like it's, it does seem, you know, there's people out there like um, Ann Coulter. Uh, she wrote a book on, oh, Adios America, I think. Uh, anyway, I um, there's people out there who suggests that California did this in the 70s, maybe 80s, mm-hmm. and to change the, you know, constituency, voting constituency, right? right? And, and we see it's changed. It's completely, you know, the land of Reagan um, is now, would never 
be able to elect Republicans to any at least statewide office. Yeah. Well, I've seen um, something similar discussed. I'm a little rusty on my exact history, but you know, with the Roman Empire, it's a lot easier to uh, you know get some outsiders, bring them in, say your path to citizenship is to serve in the army, take care of your food, you know, um, and it's easier to turn an outside force against a population than it is. Uh, now, I'm not saying that that's what's yeah yeah at play, but it you know it just makes you wonder. You know, I think if you don't explore. I, I think no one's missing, telling us what's happening. We're so. missing that discussion today. Yeah. It's like if you suggest one thing, it's you're shut down. I, I, I'm open to exploring the whole thing. Yeah. Are Republicans cold, heartless people who don't care well, that's about the people coming across the border? That's the default. Right? No, I mean, you're mean. Let's, let's explore that. Are they mean? Uh, okay, I'm open to discussing that. Right. Let's explore. Are they purposely trying to, uh, what's it called, the replacement theory? Um, or are they trying to change the voting rolls so yeah. that they can retain power? Let's explore that. You know, sure. but to not talk about it and try to come up with like serious answers yeah. seems really like I look at this. You bring up the Roman Empire, you know, the the British Empire and the you know Spanish. You know, it it's like all through history we have stuff fall apart on us. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I was thinking about this whole border issue today. And, uh, uh, you know, when it, uh, I'm from Virginia and when Governor Youngkin signed on and said, you know, I'm with you, Texas, what do you need? Um, and I think DeSantis is sending his National Guard or sending people or something yeah. from Florida to Texas. And, you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but is there a 10% chance we could be heading toward a national divorce or a second civil war? I mean, there's some yeah. percentage, right? Yeah. It's not zero. I hope not. I hope, I hope not. not. Um, no, but I mean, that's, that threatens. And, and the reason I think about that is because that threatens everything, right? We, yeah. we have our, we're, 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 you and I are sitting here concerned about human flourishing in the future and, you know, self-actualizing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's a, I don't know, 10% chance that could just be all blown to hell, right? Yeah, it, sure. Just because of power struggles or inability to agree on the rules. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the answer is yeah, and it's unfortunate, and I'm not sure exactly how to deal with that, other than I like your approach of like, let's explore all the options. Nothing should be talk. off the table. Let's talk. Yeah, and that's, unfortunately, in America, so polarized, like that, that talk, especially back and forth. Yeah. Everyone's in their echo chamber, and it's hard to get people to have a real conversation. And I think at the heart of um, a lot of the dialogue is the intent to, you, you have like the population, but then you have like some, you know, architectural people in the background yeah. um, who are smart about what they want to see happen with their money and society. And, and the ends justify the means. Yeah. So we don't need to talk. We need to distort reality, right? And I'm not saying left or right. Yeah, I'm just if if uh, as we talked about last time, if 98 percent and that may be totally inaccurate, but if a good percentage of people on Capitol Hill are not altruistic, not actually searching the truth, not actually. Well, what chance do we have? Right. Right. They're yeah. just going to. Yeah. Well, a lot of this it's real popular today to talk about, like, well, socialism and redistribution of wealth 
and you know, people would be like, hey, just redistribute the billionaire's money, right? <laughs> and But then what is, you take Elon Musk's money away and run the government, runs it for like less than a year full, and, and now what? You know, like. No, not even a year. He's worth like, I don't know, 200 billion right now, maybe. Tesla's taken a big crash lately. Um, yeah. My my portfolio crash. is not happy about that. <laughs> um, but 200 billion, and we spend, I think we're 4 trillion budget last year. Right. So that's one, uh, that's 5%. Yeah, distributism so of a year. It only gets you so far. I mean, that's 15 days. I think Elon yeah. Musk's entire wealth, everything he's ever created for mankind, it would be blown away in in two weeks. Yeah, by the government. Right. So, you know, somebody I've heard them phrase it before, like, "Well, we need to be at our best in America, whatever that means, like economically, you know, as as people flourishing, so that we almost like a person. If a plane's going down, you put on your oxygen mask first, and then you help the passenger next to you. You know, like that's an argument, rather than um, you know, make sure that everything's working at a bad level. <laughs> we can't. Yeah. We're having trouble fixing our own problems in America, but we're going to solve that by by homogenizing the continents. Um, you know, and bringing, you know, yeah. a lot of people come up that there's a lot of handouts, you know, and, and so that attitude of like give, you know, without, um, I, it's just, it's just, it's hard to. It's like not a lot of, I, I think part of what you're saying is there's, it feels to me like there's not a lot of analysis or yeah discussion and uh, determining what we do with maybe our taxes yeah yeah it's, it's like did we, right did i agree to spend it on that i don't people had think a, so yeah in the past people had a problem with the tax on the t and it was way less than it we're was paying like, on taxes. it was like one percent or a half a percent yeah that is what we went to revolution over yeah that was part of the part yeah. of the reason and they put they tried to put uh an income tax or you know so we were the, the Republic was set up to only be apportioned taxes, so no income tax. Yeah. And as the 1800s rolled on, you know, and people tasted the power of being in the federal government. So first of all, no unpaid service, right? Federal employees right. were unpaid and the congressmen and so forth. Um, and they started to wanted to get uh, a regular budget going through. And so somewhere along the line, it might have been like 1890s, they put in a federal income tax, and it was a half a percent on the equivalent of today's $100,000 income. Yeah. You paid a half a percent. Right. And there were there were little revolts. It went to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court said, no, that's unconstitutional. They took yeah. it away, and then, you know, Wilson came in 13-ish, um, and they got, uh, you know, an amendment allowing the income tax. Yeah. And um, – so you, but yeah, to detach, just to, to have to hand over your money and say, I have no say over anything. That's yeah. not cool. Like generally people don't like that. Whatever your, your politics. But we, we do it really fairly willingly. I'm surprised. Yeah. Right. And is it that frog being boiled alive again? Is it just where, you know, we don't make a lot when we're 16 and they take right. a little and we get that first paycheck. And I think a lot of people remember being disappointed yeah. at how much you, they took out of that. And then that just can slowly builds over your lifetime right. until you're paying, you know, whatever that happens to be, ten grand, yeah. eighty grand, and and they do it, you know, it's paycheck withholding. What a brilliant thing! You don't mm -hmm. feel that because it's coming out a little bit at a time. If you had to write a ten thousand dollar check at the end of the year, I think most people would be, yeah, no. So right. 
So to come back to the border thing, um, what's your answer to somebody who's like, well, just have a heart. Like, <laughs> yeah. be, be nice. Like, we, you have a good. Why can't you share? Yeah. You know, like, what's the... Well, what's, what's the, uh, you know, test, test the extreme on that? It's like, okay, can we take 4 billion people in? Well, how, 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 where's the heart in that? That helps, no, that doesn't do anything, you know? Right. The, I, there I has do, to be a limit at some point. There does. I, I don't think I'm delusional. I have, I remember I was talking to a sister-in-law and um, I was talking about living in, in uh, San Francisco and the homeless problem. And this was in the nineties, big homeless problem. Uh, and you're talking to a, uh, a kid from a small town, farm town in Colorado um, and, and so seeing that homeless was really, it was kind of tough on me. New York. I lived in New York for six years. Same thing. It's like, wow, this is, this is rough. And, you know, in my mind, I have a heart and I would bring lunch to homeless people and, you know, try to help out. Probably never enough. But uh, I was talking to my sister-in-law about that. And she's like, well, I thought you were a Republican. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Well, you were like giving people lunch. I'm like, what do you think? And this is where we're at in society mm. that, you know, the, the, what we think of each other, it's like we don't talk enough or something. Right. And we have these stereotypes. And it, it seems bad. And, and I, so where, where I'm going with that is I, I think I have a heart. And I think empirically it seems to me that free markets and capitalism is how you help everyone. Mm -hmm. Again, we've lifted – when I was a kid, 50% of people were in extreme poverty, which is less than $2 a day. Now it's 10. Mm -hmm. So we brought 40% of the population, which is, yeah. what's 40% of 6 billion? I don't know. Two, right. two and a half billion people yeah. out of poverty yeah. through capitalism. And but, we're, we're talking trying to help a few million here. Yeah. I think, though, the thing that makes it so tough today is like people look at social media and they compare. And they're like, I don't have that. That's for whatever it. reason. And so it's it's just that perceived yeah. unfairness. Like the business owner takes risk and you done you didn't as the employee, you mm -hmm. know. So should you capture a bunch of the profits? Right. You didn't go out and start your company, yeah. you know. But that's but that's mean. That's not fair. Like it, you know, why does it have to be like that? You yeah. know, this yeah. this is the argument, and, the pushback. And if they don't step back, it's like, well, okay, well, if you create a system where there's no incentives, right, for risk, then nobody will take risks. Okay. If you don't take risks, where are you? You don't have any progress. Yeah, you know, nothing happens. So, I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I've never gotten. I've never really understood how you can not at least acknowledge in part that that system works really well. Yeah, but I think it always like I, I'll. I've had this conversation with somebody who seems to genuinely care very deeply about this conversation, and but they'll they kind of arrive at the point of like. Yeah, but do you need so much? You know, as the business owner, right? Do you need that yeah. much? And and I get that a little bit. And then and then it's very easy for them to be like, just we need to take all of Musk's and Bezos's money and everybody's <laughs> and you know, but distributism but, only gets you so far. Well, and 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 the value, and some of them don't. But what they don't understand, what people don't understand, or I don't know if they don't think about it, is it's like it's not that money, like that money's disappeared. You know, Musk has that in, in his case. He's got um, most of it tied up in Tesla, right? right? And that money's working. You know, it's creating electric vehicles and maybe you know moving us toward alternative energy. Yeah. And it's is that 
is that a better use of money or is uh, funding studies for shrimp running on treadmills yeah. a better use right. by the federal government? And, and it's like, I don't know why you don't see that a merit meritocracy type of use of money makes more sense. It's like, I may not agree with Bill Gates on, on a lot, but even so, I think he's probably better at using that money than the federal government, right? And maybe yeah. not. Maybe not. Yeah. But, well, yeah. I think, I, I think at the heart of it, don't you think, is a little bit of, uh, you know, you can either have some liberty and freedom and let somebody go out and, like, start a company, or you can't, and the government's going to give everyone a job with the same pay. Yeah. And I mean, the, like, and we see how that works. These are the options. But, but I mean, you don't have to be, and I've talked about this, you don't have to be an economist to understand. You can just empirically look back at where we've tried redistribution. I mean, we have real time cases like in Venezuela, right? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how you don't see that that doesn't work. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's beyond me that but you know what they that. you know what they a lot of people will say it'd be like well they didn't really do socialism right they didn't do it right <laughs> I, you hear that it's like yeah. well how many times are you gonna try i mean the the basic principle is that people don't value what they don't work for so yeah. if you give it to them they value it less we all know yeah. that and if you deny that then you know let's don't even talk <laughs> um and secondly people don't take risks if there's not incentive to do so Right, yeah. you don't work hard unless you're incentivized to work hard. Yeah, that's human fallen nature. Some of us do, maybe some do, and some don't. But people will work harder if yeah. they're, you know, we see that in um, one of my companies. If you tie compensation to performance, yeah. performance changes. Huh? Yeah. Surprise. Right. Right. <laughs> Surprise. So two things you uh, you said human fallen nature because a lot of people out there maybe even a majority these days are gonna say well I believe that humans are basically good yeah that's a good and point. that's their belief I'm, I'm taking that for granted yeah and yeah. Elon just said that the other day um, and then the other thing is I think there's a lot of this attitude like someone sees something they want let's just pick something like uh, a Lamborghini uh, well he has a Lamborghini and and if you had the power if if you're like well what do you want do you want me to give you a Lamborghini it turns out what they really want is for that person to not, not have the Lamborghini. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I Don't you feel like there's a lot of that? And this gets into, yeah. I think if people are honest with themselves, like, are people just, like, fundamentally good and always looking out, or are they just kind of selfish and, I, well, and hedonistic? You know, I have the take, and th this isn't, you know, maybe it was my upbringing, but I held it during my kind of agnostic atheist phase. I have the take that people have a bad side i mean i you know maybe there's a lot of people out there who think they're angelic i i don't know i mean i admit to myself i try to be good and but you know i think we have this deep selfishness in us and that's takes over you know people have to fight that that's my what's what is what i mean when i say fallen nature i'm not like yeah. literally talking about adam and eve or something like that yeah. um even though I, I believe that, I believe the fallen nature um, theology. But, yeah, I mean, if you don't believe people have, I mean, that, that flavors everything. That's an awesome thing to think about. I haven't really thought that much. If you, if you think that people are naturally good, then you don't need to limit federal government's power. 
you know, there's a lot of implications to that. So that's that's interesting. Yeah. I'm going to dwell on that. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Um, so not to switch topics too aggressively here, but I think this is something I want your take on. Um, so, okay. Let's see. Zuckerberg, he said, um, here's some updates on our AI efforts. Our long-term vision is to build general intelligence, open source it responsibly, and make it widely available so everyone can benefit. We're bringing our two major AI research efforts, FAIR and Gen AI, closer together to support this. Um, we're currently training our next-gen model, Llama 3, and we're building a massive compute infrastructure to support our yeah. future roadmap, including 350,000 H100s by the end of the year. And so um, someone commented on this. They said, uh, we can finally... Or, or I'm sorry. Uh, to put these numbers into perspective, Tesla currently has one of the most aggressive plans in the world for increasing compute. Achieving 600K H100 equivalents of compute by the end of this year would be around eight times uh, Elon's already stratospheric target. Can you give me some context of like what is being talked about here? Yeah. So what are H the implications? H1 H100s are uh, video cards um, from NVIDIA. And, you know, I don't know at volume numbers, but they're roughly probably 20, 30,000 each. So you're talking, uh, I think Facebook made a, he said that they were going to invest in 350,000 new ones. They already have the equivalent of like 250,000. Um, Why is this important? Especially for the yeah. average person. Well, one thing I just want to get out is that's a $10 billion investment. So, and in order to do that, they have to think there's a pretty good chance at return on investment. Sure. That there's something huge there. If you're going to make an outlay like that. Yeah. So $10 billion, that's just an, an astronomical R&D amount. And they aren't the only ones, right? Like you said, uh, uh, Musk is spending billions on it and uh, OpenAI, a lot of others. Um, and yeah, the implication is they think they can get to AGI, or Official General Intelligence, and he he actually in his uh, release said he they were going to open source it. He hedged that a little bit. He said something like eventually open source it or I don't know something, but yeah. gave a give a tent of like maybe in his mind. Again, I feel like shoot, can you trust him? I oh mean, yeah, right. Someone says that, and that, and that little kind of tell, like a poker tell, it's like, okay, are you really going to open source it? Yeah. Why would you prevaricate there? Right. Um, but like I said last time, if if they spend $10 billion and they make Llama 4 and they open source that, and I can hand that to you on ostensibly that might be then like – who knows, a, a 500 gigabyte or a terabyte deal. Um, I can hand that to you on a $30 SD card. Yeah. You can have $10 billion worth of effort for 30 bucks. Yeah. That's, it's just like, we can't really understand that's not happened before. So, yeah. Well, so if you were telling me you feel like GPT is getting close to like AGI already, you know, like what's the need then? to spend this massive amount of money like are the are the returns yeah. going to be eventually pretty minuscule for the money that you're putting in like is there a point where we hit that or is it just a matter of like spend more and the results are just going to blow your mind i don't know what's your take the the, the uh, like i've said i think do you get do you get you know 10 times more productivity out of uh, uh, an AI with an IQ of 200 versus 190. Yeah. Oh, it seems like maybe no, but maybe yes. Yeah. 
because we, we talked about this, you, you know, like you, there's humans, there's humans using AI, and then there's going to be AI using AI, like AI agents, you know, like you could just like, you could keep going down this road. Yeah. So could an AI employing various, very smart agents, you know, like get more done? I, I don't know, but I, I think, what do you think about this? You know, we talk about limits a lot, the two of us, cause that's really like my go-to thing. What do you see any inherent limits, fundamental limits for even an AGI, a super intelligent AGI, you know, even like centuries in the future of this, if this progresses, is that thing ever going to be limited in any way, shape or form? Well, this is your point of, uh, you know, putting Dyson spheres around uh, stars to capture all the energy and there's only X amount of energy in the universe. So, right. I mean, there is a hard limit there, supposedly. Maybe yeah. there's multiverses, and maybe we find a way to hop between them, but... Uh, I, think, I that's think that's actually impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's beyond my my. There's got to be, though. Because I oh, think... Limit? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a practicality horizon that you, you're not going to be able to cross. Yeah. Certainly, even even in AGI, because we're starting from this spawn point, you know, in, in space, <laughs> there's only so many resources... Yeah. And so even no matter how much money you spend at it, you, you know, you can't do, you can only do what there is the potential to, to be done, even if you're an AGI, a super well, intelligent. And there's only, you know, as I think about Facebook spending $10 billion, again, I think there's there's a point at which there's only so much. Okay, so let's talk about like law, you know, the top, the Vault 100 top law firms, they'll pay their their um, associates 300 grand a year, and they'll pay their uh, partners a couple million a year, something in that range, maybe a little higher. Is there value to paying five percent of them a hundred million dollars? There's not. There's only so much value to extract there. Yeah. And I wonder if that's the case with. Uh, AI and AGI, you know, will that, and I expect it will, it'll mm -hmm. flatten out and there's only, you know, there's only so much use cases for it yeah, and so much funding for it. Yeah. Because uh, I think a lot of people out there, the accelerationists in particular are thinking like this thing's going to effectively be God to humanity, whatever one is like the most powerful, you know? Um, but I mean, we won't know till we know what, any limits are going to be on the thing, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. And once it hits that scale, it's like, do we, I mean, is there a relation? I mean, how do you even, how do you even measure or relate to it? It's like, mm -hmm. you know, I've said before, it's like an ant trying to relate to us. Yeah. It's like, well, we don't, he can't even think about us. Yeah. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can't get that far out. I'm I'm really hung up on what this next ten years is, is holding because mm -hmm. I think it's serious. Yeah, and to, to, so to your analogy of like raising a child and teaching an LLM, you know, what you bake into them in the beginning, even on the AGI scale, does that apply? Like, did they kind of take on a uh, a persona? Like, there does there? Yeah, does it multiply? Well, is yeah. It, so, is it? Can you end up with a quote unquote good or bad AGI based on its training, its its how it was raised, so to speak, and what it was raised on, its diet of information? Or I think a lot of people just assume the thing gets smart enough and it does whatever it wants. It doesn't matter how you trained it. Um, 
Yeah. So can we, let's talk about us. Can we, can people change? Can we overcome our upbringing? Does it forever bias us or influence us? Probably, but we can, you know, it's probably not a binary thing. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, we can change to some degree. I, I don't know. Yeah, and these are, these are the questions that nobody knows, nobody but we're knows. just plowing ahead. Nobody, well, we're plowing ahead, and but we are going to plow ahead. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's not like we can control that. I don't. Think. Yeah. Okay. Like, so there's that, and then there's the news that uh, Altman is going out raising lots of money to maybe do like a a TSMC that's like an American version of that. Yeah, chip chip manufacturer. Yes. AI chip manufacturer. Can you speak to the importance of chips to the AI ecosystem and what that might mean if he were able to do that and why he's maybe doing that? Is it because no one else is going to want to provide him the compute to compete with them if you're Google, if you're Facebook, Amazon? Yeah, I mean, if you look at who's really winning right now out of the AI acceleration, it's NVIDIA, right? So NVIDIA is just making money hand over fist because everybody needs these chips and graphics cards to train and do inference on the AIs. Um, now, Musk, a couple few years ago, and Google too. So Google um, made their own processors called TPUs, tensor processing units, when they realized that we need a better way to handle some of this uh, this training, you know, this AI. And then um, Musk came up with the same thing. He makes his own. He's, ma- he's building Dojo, the world's biggest supercomputer. Um, and one of the things he did for that, he went back to his first principles thing. One of the big things about, and if anybody, you know, listening, you have your, if you have great graphics cards, you know they have a lot of fans and they throw off a lot of heat, mm-hmm. right? That's a big problem. They're running a lot of electricity and power through to do these calculations. And uh, Musk went back to his first principles and added, he redesigned it such that, like, Cooling was integrated into the actual chip itself, into the hmm. little modules and so forth. Um, so there's a lot. So, you know, Altman might be the, the third major person going into that space. But that's like the gas. That's like, you know, petroleum of the 21st century. Chips. These chips. Right? Yeah. So it's really a defensible thing if you like have your own analogy. pipeline. First of all, I'm going to pat myself on the back <laughs> because, you know, Petroleum to the Industrial Revolution, yeah, it was you know, or at least to the uh, 20th century, uh, was crucial, and that's where I think about all the wars and all the money was yeah. heading. A lot of it was around that, and uh, the similar thing here, I think. It's a, and that's a relevant thing with Taiwan right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it for for speaking of countries, it would be in America's best interest to have that capacity. Ta- Taiwan staying online. For yeah, one. or but you know, like a an American based TSMC alternative. Yeah, or... well, you can you can you can trickle down the food chain here too. Like in the end, this uh, I don't remember what it's called. It's like stereolithography work that you do to etch the um, the silicon wafers to make the chips goes all the way down to basically like this one company in Germany. Like they're the only ones who have the expertise and make the equipment to do it. And they feed Intel, they feed AMD, they feed hmm. NVIDIA and TSMC. Um, and so that's kind of interesting too. It's like, there's a bottleneck. It's, it's not like, it's not like the old days where, okay, well I'll make a factory that makes ladders too. Right. 
Yeah. It's like we have expertise and such advancement that you just have a difficult thing time starting the the uh, the value chain from scratch. Yeah. Uh, so that's why it's important that we China does not invade Taiwan. Yeah. I mean that's another hot 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 button. I, I come back to it. I I think we think a lot about things like you know dying in a car accident or these things that are one in one in 10,000 shot or one in 100,000 shot. I, I told my kids when they're young, I'm like, politics and war, man, that's, you know, it's an order of magnitude or two higher than a, a lot of things you'll worry about. And you should worry about these mm-hmm. things because, you know, think of a civil war too, whether it's a 1% chance that's one in 100 versus one in 10,000, that has a chance to just totally ruin your life and right. your family's lives or, you know, a major world war, economic upheaval, China, you know, who knows? Yeah. Well, how so. much, how much of this, you know, speaking of like the Taiwan situation, how much do you think the different, the various governments, especially U S and China are doing some kind of, um, somewhat sophisticated war gaming simulations and, <laughs> and what, you know, I don't know, could, could the, does private sector have better AI than the government? I don't know. You probably have some insight on that. But to what extent are they gaming that out and trying to see, should we do it? Should we not? How do we prevent it? You know? I'm sure they I'm sure they are. I, I, I know a guy in uh, naval, I don't think it's naval intelligence, uh, but in the Navy um, on systems, computer side of things, and they have their own LLMs that they've been training and working on. So, yeah, n- no doubt that's happening. Um, and not just on, like, wargaming, but, like, on influencing and propaganda. And I'm sure that right. that's involved in that. But military-grade AI manipulation and propaganda. That's I mean, a we're crazy thing. <laughs> we're screwed. Do you, well, okay, to that extent, how much does the AI that a regular person has access to for $20 a month or whatever, um, it, can it help them like discern that sort of manipulation? It can act as a buffer or is it just, if, if the government AI, let's say with all of its resources, does it just outstrip the ability of the little models to the, where a regular consumer just couldn't. um, No, I think, I think, I think private models, so it's not just money thrown at it. It's efficiency and inefficiencies. Mm-hmm. And I think like OpenAI's model is the best in the world. I speculate it's better than anything that the uh, military U.S. government has, and it's probably better than anything China has. Hmm. Um, and when you say that, it's probably not the publicly released a- yeah, OpenAI. I don't know. Or G- even that. GPT-4 might be better than I'm, I speculate. I, I don't have any like grounds for that other than yeah. just like pattern recognition of how how efficiencies, how inefficient government is, how efficient uh, markets are, and um, it makes it makes a big difference. You know, you can't. The military does not attract the 10x programmers, right? Right. The million dollar a year programmers aren't going to the military because mm-hmm. the military is not paying them a million dollars a year. Yeah. So like these people are 10 times more productive. So I don't know if you know about this. I think it's called the 10X. Uh, but at least in programming, they there's less speculation and some evidence behind the fact that you can get people who are 10 times better yeah. than another one. It's like, well, how can that possibly be? You know, it just they're just so much more efficient and better. Right. So if that's the case, 
you know, private industry only has to spend 10 cents on the dollar to be as good as, you know, yeah. federal. you know, if that's, you know, it's a really poor, poor analogy, but. Well, yeah. if information is so important, I, I mean, um, that's actually interesting because people can arm themselves with information kind of. I, I often come back to that analogy of like if if you have access to an, an AI yourself, like a local model or just like a good model, you've sort of armed yourself in a way versus somebody who doesn't have that at their disposal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's the way, you know, we the Internet, we've we if you didn't have the ability to search and use Google or anything in the last 20 years. Yeah, I think you were at a serious disadvantage from a societal interaction you know capitalism standpoint right you know the amish didn't yeah they're living their lives but if we're talking about like being integrated into society if you don't use modern tools i think you're yeah. stuck so you need modern tools right um you know back on the is this uh, is this episode brought to you by objective reality it is <laughs> objective reality.ai you'll probably want to check that out um and linked up in the description you know, on the government thing, though, it's crazy is if and truly they are using AI for stuff. AI doesn't always get it right all the time, you know, like it has. And so I want to show you this chart. OK, this says LLMs are, quote unquote, lying. And it's lying is in parentheses because uh, can a machine lie? People are going to argue about that. But but we'll just say for the sake of argument, they're lying. Um, there's a recognition signature for when an AI is, quote unquote, telling something truthful or not. Um, because the neural net, uh, you get if you scan it, this lat scan here, the neural net shows a difference. That's w wild. What's your take on that? Send send me the link. Okay. Um, you know, I I don't see why that would not be true. I think uh, there's like body language readers who, when someone's lying, I think they I don't know they look down to the lower right or something. If they're trying to remember something, they look to the upper left. You know, there's yeah. things like this that our brains do. Yeah. Like. So I imagine that's true. You send so, me send me that. I'd, okay. I'd like to see it. Because even if these things aren't conscious, how is how could this be the case? Because they're just op operating off of linguistic patterns. Yeah. yeah. So here's the thing. I think uh, I think like I said, I think it builds a model of the world, and if it's got a gap there, probably you know if it's trying to invent something. Like, it'd be interesting if uh, to run the same thing, like make a story, make up a story um, and see if that same kind of dishonesty mm. thing activates. Yeah. Because that would be, that wouldn't be my bet. What does that mean to you for the readers? We've talked about this a little, I mean, for the audience. When you say it has a world building capability, <laughs> like, what do you mean by that? Because we're talking, I brought up consciousness and you responded world building. What do you mean? Yeah. So... An understanding of kind of an understanding. So not just predicting patterns and, and future things. It's like there's something called the, um, oh, I forgot in psychology. It's called, uh, I don't remember. But basically your ability, it's like, they measure, boy, I wish I could remember the name. They measure um, the ability to put yourself in someone's mind mm -hmm. and understand mm. the world through someone else's um, 
uh, viewpoint, which you have to do if you're going to entertain a proposition. You have to be able to do that. Yeah, you have to understand. This is why I say we need to talk more and understand what people are thinking. But it's like animals can't do this. Five-year-olds can't do it. They get to seven-year-olds, and you can start to do it. And an example is, uh, and I ran this test through um, GPT-4. You, you say, John went in a room. There's a basket and a paper bag and a banana. And he takes the banana and he puts it in the paper bag or in the basket. And he leaves the room. And you ask GPT-4, hey, where's the banana? And the, the GPT-4 is like, hey, it's in the basket where John left it. I'm like, okay. Susan goes in the room, shuts the door, sees the banana, puts the banana in the paper bag, closes it, leaves the room. Right? And now you ask it, where does John think the banana is? John thinks the banana is in the basket where he left it. Where does Susan think the basket is? Susan thinks it's in the paper bag. Mm. And it's like it has this ability to understand points of view and kind of create an understanding. It's not just predicting something there. Uh It's like... But part of me thinks it's a machine. Like, why wouldn't it get that? Why is it amazing that it would get that? Because, like, it should get that if it's a machine, right? Why is that amazing? Um, Well, up until... 12 months ago, we had no ability to do anything like that. You yeah. know, and only human seven and up. I see. So that's that. what the difference, that's the breakthrough. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, to me, that's, that's uh, indicative of something transformative happening. But is that just like interesting programming or is it, it's because but for it's me. Not pro- but it's not programming. That's the point. Okay. Okay. Right. I, I didn't, I didn't write, yes. I could write a program that could like, model that out but that program then wouldn't apply to understanding another situation yes this is like again it's okay i got something that ties in this will react you you react to this um so this is somebody showing off some full self-driving capabilities version version 12 is out okay so someone says fii there's no line of code to make uh, a tesla do this right so is that basically what we're we've been talking about there's no code um, and and they started. That was a that was a transformation over the last years. Is they started out. They were hard coding in a lot of rules. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what a stoplight looks like. Okay, when you see it, this is what you do. Okay, what if the stoplight? Can I turn right? It depends. Is there another sign? You know, and they had a lot of. You know, I think it was tons and tons of rules. And um, slowly they moved to coalescing it all. I think in maybe a version ago, but now it's all just one neural net yeah and there are no rules okay and all it's done is like a child learned what it saw you know or like we did when we learned to drive yeah and it just saw these things and this is what you should do this right. is the this is the reward you know if i do this then I, I win i don't crash yeah all right now i'm keeping an open mind but i'm gonna give you my effective thing because i want your reaction for the audience so if i can't tell like through an interface that a machine is conscious it seems like maybe it is then maybe to me it's effectively conscious whether it's conscious or not yeah so how is something like this not just effective consciousness not passing some kind of turing test in a way or something you know doesn't mean that it's conscious it it, you know what i mean but is it good yeah so searle i think had the chinese room uh deal where uh the thought experiment is you put a guy in a room with books and you know, he someone passes him a note in Chinese, and he can go to these books, and he can translate symbols, and he can hand the note back out. Um, but he doesn't understand Chinese. 
Yeah. But he's effectively able to uh, uh, come off as if, as if he does. But is that kind just of, effective? Kind of a simple, simplistic test. And yeah, I'm, I always say, does it matter? In the end, mm. whether that Tesla is conscious or not, you know, does it matter to me or does yeah. it matter that Practically, it will though. cut 30,000 lives a year off of the death tolls? Yes, but and let me sleep while I go to you know. I know, but you're but that that statement approaches it from a practical standpoint. It doesn't matter to me, like it's it's doing good. But yeah. if someone believes that it needs to have rights, then because it's conscious, <laughs> yeah, or that's the trolley, or the trolley problem, yeah, yeah. Who's yeah. it going to kill in this in this situation? Yeah. Um, no, it, it's it's a val it's a it's a valid thing. How are we going to uh, come to a conclusions? on these issues in society. Cause at the moment it's like, I don't know. Yeah. And, and I don't know how it's going to, you well, know, we'll litigate them. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll litigate them both in, in courts and we'll in the court of public opinion, you know? Yeah. And that's one of the things that, that I hate. I hate seeing, I've been watching the, I've been an investor in Tesla pretty early and, and I've been watching Tesla's plight. And I, from an engineering perspective, I really appreciate how, Musk goes about these things. Um, and I kind of hate, I watched him by Twitter and promote free speech and, you know, stop whatever COVID censorship or Trump stuff or whatever. He just says there should be a public square and everybody should be able to talk. Seems fair to me. That's the way I was raised. It's like, let's listen to both sides. Um, but there is a concerted movement. Every story, and I challenge you, like Tesla News. Um, if you type in Tesla news, every story you read negative. will be negative. Yeah, and it went from he was the darling who's taking us to green energy, right, to a pariah. Yeah. It's like you guys kind of suck because he's the same guy. Yeah. So you were wrong then, or you're wrong now. Yeah. Right, because you have no objective grounding, and yeah. and you're just trying to convince us of one thing. Yeah. And so that court of public, and that that's where I was going with that court of public opinion, and it's sad. Because the court of public opinion has a lot of sway. Yeah. And it will impact us, you know, positively or negatively. And you hate when it's negative. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I think I think it's beneficial, the stance he's taken on free speech with um, X. But, you know, like with Grok, he wants it to be a truth-seeking AI. But I think effectively that does come, – he comes from an unbiased perspective with it. So everything's relativistic. So there's that. But I do really like the – community notes feature for the most part um i saw that maybe it's possible to game it a little bit i've been watching the gaming yeah it's funny but i think fundamentally like it's interesting because at least he's trying number one yeah and number two and it's open how do you know how exactly how it works because doesn't it for for the notes to show up it's like two different perspectives that historically wouldn't agree on something have to agree on something and that gives it more weight is that right and they have to not in the past not basically be you know heavily slanted one direction i think yeah. or something like that so yeah. what is the argument against that why wouldn't somebody want that you know something like that well uh, one argument you could make is they don't really want the truth <laughs> Possibly, sure right yeah so i mean either they think it's not it doesn't it doesn't allow i mean here's an argument you could say that i think people are stupid and the only way to help people is to shut them up and help them, get them to not, you know, and, and I'll take care of them. And 
I don't really value, you know, I can lie if it's in service of an end goal. If my goal is to help this guy not jump off a bridge, I'm going to tell him a lie, right? And you can believe that, and that can be your 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 operation. And um, so maybe maybe that's it. Maybe they it's like, hey, well, we, we know best how to help people, and having some of these inconvenient truths along the way. You, you know. Yeah, but to do that, you either have to believe that you're an expert and make an appeal to expertise of some sort or just have the power to do it and and push that power down on people. I mean, those are the only two ways. Yeah, but you don't even need power because everybody does it, right? I mean, everybody offers their opinion like without any... We've, we've raised this generation, for better or worse, um, to just have their truth right? Every answer is as good as another answer. And so there is no, you know, people are shocked when they get pushed back and then they turn into, it turns into fights, mm -hmm. you know, because it's like, you're not actually exploring the truth. What you're doing is you're offending me because my opinion is equally value, right? But they now, don't mind offending you. Now I need a safe space and yeah. they don't mind offending you. I find that interesting. The I, people who preach tolerance are often the most intolerant. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's shockingly so. Yeah. And, and the same with... Because uh, it's a power play. National uh, Organization of Women. Um, I watched them over the years. And if it's a conservative woman, they, you know, successful, they'd slam them and they denigrate. And it's like, well, are you really about, you know, equal, you know, yeah. pr promoting women's uh, progress? And right. it doesn't seem like it. It seems like you have an agenda. It's not disclosed or true. And if, like we said, you know, if you're operating from the perspective that the ends justify the means, well, right. then you can totally deceive. Islam, that's in the Quran. Yeah. You can deceive non-believers, the kafirs, sure. um, in order of servicing Allah. That, or, that's hard. Uh, yeah. Well, I think another way that you see this plan too is like um, colonialism is bad. But then colonialize uh, America and Europe <laughs> with new beliefs and, right. and power structures, and so yeah. it's not the thing, the principle no. actually that it's someone. It's not principles. Is... Principles are hard, right? Principles require submission of submission of your some of your selfish goals and to to an ideal that's bigger than what you want, right? And. I don't think we're most people aren't willing to to be very principled today. Yeah, that's true. Journalists, you know, I don't know. Are you are you old enough to remember Tim Russert on? Uh, oh, Meet I the can Press? picture the face. Yeah, Meet, but Meet I the don't Press. really. So Tim Russert, <clears throat> I really enjoyed listening to Meet the Press years and years ago, Sunday morning news show. Tim Russert would have on, you know, Republican, Democrat, whoever, um, and ask them equally probing and tough questions and i had no idea if tim russert was on the left or the right turns out he was left mm. i liked him he but was he fair know. he had journalistic integrity and that's kind of what you know i think we used to have that i used to think we have used to have scientific integrity i used to think we had you know we used to have uh, journalistic integrity i think that's that's kind of gone yeah well how much or of that leaving how much of that came down to um you know so there was the news and we had like newspapers and then we had 
uh, that, you know, journalism manifested first in newspapers or whatever. Then we had like radio, then we had, you know, modern cable news or whatever. But then the internet came along and, and then social media came along more recently. And so you can go to like Twitter and see like in real time, like what's happening from somebody on the ground there, you know, yeah. and multiple people. But um, the old, let's say just the establishment of media, their business model, you know, in order to stay like relevant, you, you now have to start being more polarizing you know, you have to um, appeal to make people care about what you're uh, yeah. covering. You you have to be basically be divisive, whatever side you're covering it from, to get the clicks, to get the watching, yeah, to just to live. If it what's the phrase? If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that's yeah, and that's that's a tragedy. I think you know that's again, we're just trying to capture attention and addict people to watching. I think we've talked about this before that we we live in the like least violent crime time in history. Mm -hmm. And yet if you survey people, they think it's like one of the worst. Yeah. And that's just to, due to the news. I mean, yeah. The facts are the facts. We, have, we measure these rates fairly accurately. Um, and it's pretty pervasive across cities, countries. And yeah, I mean, we're totally misled. And then, consequently, we misallocate our worry and our time and our energy mm -hmm. on things that aren't really the problem. Yeah, and I think we talked about this a little bit last time, the Overton window. Like, what is socially acceptable at any given time to discuss yeah. publicly? And it's shrunk so much and, and moved around a little it's bit. Moved. And there's just certain things that people know. Like, if I bring this up, uh, you know, I'm going to face cancellation or it's going to be bad. And yeah. so you don't. And then that reinforces that Overton window yeah. narrative, whatever happens to be in the window. I'm not saying from a specific side, even I'm just like, whatever's in the window stays in the window then yeah. because nothing else gets discussed and it gets shrunk and like, you know, reshaped. Well, in, in the, you know, the, the right calls it the mainstream in the mainstream media. That's true. Uh, although we now have, you know, Reddit and X and, we have places where things are discussed. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think that's, I'm, I'm with Musk. I think it's a good thing. I, I remember we were raised in school, really, we were like, the phrase was, I may disagree with what you say, but I'll die defending your right, right. to do it. Right. No, that's like, seems like that's completely gone. Yeah, it's because um, people have started to equate words with violence. And right. and Aggression, yeah, microaggressions. Yeah, and I mean, it's just a power grab. It's just a naked power grab. Yeah, I think that's the case. But like I say, maybe um, maybe they really maybe a percentage. And this is why I asked that question of uh, my friend, the Capitol Hill guy. It, it apparently is lower than. But I'd like to give the benefit of the doubt and say maybe. Maybe they all are altruistic, but they don't have the same moral values on getting to the end, right? So maybe, yeah, maybe it's not a naked power grab. Maybe, well, but maybe it's a naked power grab to help people in the end. It's like I'm a benevolent guy. I'm gonna lie and convince everybody that I'm the best thing, yeah, and then implement what I know is best for them. But I don't know. You, you, in any situation, you might have some useful idiots and then some people who like know a little bit more. But it's like this notion from Kendi that um, past oppression requires present oppression. And the only remedy to that is going to be future oppression. There's no getting around this oppressed oppressor framework. 
Like that doesn't help. So anyone who's like, well, I'm helping, it's, it's always going to be selfishly motivated if you're looking at it through that lens, right? Who, it, you know, if you're just being a good citizen, you, you can't really under that because someone is oppressed and someone else is the oppressor. And if you don't want to be the oppressed person, you got to become the oppressor. If you're saying that the fr that's a framework. Yes. You're not taking that framework for granted. You're saying if that's their framework. That is many people's framework yeah, right now. Right. Yes. We do. I agree on that. And so it's not just like, I'm saving the world. It, you're, you're saving the world for somebody. Like you're, you're helping s some people, but you're not just helping people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No. And someone's going to have to come along and fix that in the future. Yeah, it's not a good system. Yeah. Well, it's not a good framework to no. operate on. Jordan Peterson talks a lot about that, right? And yeah. The, the, this this concept of the patriarchy being oppressors is like a terrible, terrible thing. Or, like I was saying before, it's intellectually dishonest and it's not recognizing both sides of the equal sign. There's no question there was some oppression in history and maybe still today. Don't think anybody can admit that. But you better admit that amazing things have come from the past. Yeah. From men building society from women raising families and uh -huh. but you also can't apply that uh that notion that we talked about where a lot of people are like well humans are just fundamentally good that's fundamentally incompatible that's with true. with that idea that's funny that's yeah true. yeah no that's true the humans are fundamentally good thing is is uh is a pretty important insight i think like i said i'll have to dwell on that more because that does change like, if you don't think that man can be bad, right. and, uh, it, and it's, it's, it's absolutely not true because you see it in, like, congressional approval. It's mm -hmm. like 20%, 19% approve of Congress, so they, they think they're bad. And 80% of people think they're bad. Yeah. Um, so, so the, I think a lot of people probably, yeah. what they really mean is humans have the potential to be good inherently. But that's not really saying anything. I'd like to explore that. I, yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody disagrees with that. It's, yeah. Is there? Yeah. I got one more tech thing for you. Um, this is actually from David Sachs. He says, bot employees will be as common in the workplace as NPCs, non-playable characters, in games. Powered by custom G GPTs and AI audio video rendering, they'll start in telesales and customer service, but eventually every team will have bots that dial into their Zoom meetings and answer questions. <laughs> and my, my question is, what's the point of that? Why have the bot dial in? I'm talking to a bot. What is that? You know, well, I think our, our our verbal communication is probably an efficient way to to probe and question. And but if you're if you're that far advanced yeah. in the AI agent space, why are we even having humans that the bots are like interacting with them in the first place? Well, okay, let's take Tesla for example. Tesla is going to put Optimus on the line, mm -hmm. right? And and maybe you know. They have one, one bot for every 10 that observes and calculates metrics. I mean, we're talking about that in LLMs right now. It's like, okay, let's take an LLM and then let's have another LLM gauge the results of the first one or filter a right. line or whatever. Um, so I can see that in robotics, right? Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I'm now the foreman of the entire line. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you guys tell me what... You know, maybe it's not actually the bot itself dialing in, but you're speaking right to its brain, you know, or it's yeah. But eventually, eventually, wouldn't yeah. somebody say like, well, even the person supervising the agents eventually is yeah. going to be slowing us down? I or, think it trickles up. 
absolutely yeah. trickle up <laughs> yeah 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 I so mean, it's it's did you see the news uh sony not sony uh, two things actually japan um has a literary contest it's like they're they're they're, they're um like pulitzer price but fiction book uh their prestigious literary award in japan was won by an author wrote this book and they came out afterwards and said uh yeah a good chunk of it i used ai to generate no didn't yeah. see that yeah no. so like by all accounts the best judges of f- literary fiction chose computer generated mm. stuff and and it's also so it's also japan sony had a photography contest i don't know if you saw that one uh. um i can probably open the picture for you but uh the winner afterwards admitted it was computer generated interesting yeah so it was not real either well sometimes you know you think of like really great authors from the past and you know like that era is gone now like no one's gonna sit there and be totally uninfluenced by these tools at their disposal someone someone might still but but like you're saying like i even see guys who are like all about writing on social media you know like they're talking about here's they got a writing course but they'll be like, but here's my process. I'll have uh, ChatGPT approach it from this way, that way, this way. And like they're fine-tuning their writing, even if they're doing the final output, yeah. even if, and I, how would you ever know? You know, they're still using these tools. It's like we're the era of just like the human just going out and writing is gone. And, and whether it's going to be video or whatever. You know, they used, I'm sure they used Google, right, for searching. Right. So this is just the newest and And best before tool. that, what, a library? That was, I guess, don't, very crude. Technology. Don't remind me. Don't <laughs> remind me. Three hours to find, uh, you know, a couple facts. Yeah, is now seconds. Is that sad though? That that era of like pure, no, more pure. Not it's me. not sad. Tell That's, me. Tell me. Just why from not. a personal anecdotal story. Yeah, I enjoy learning so much that the, the throttling that bandwidth, that the, the constraining the ability was just, you know, universities used to advertise. Um, part of the propaganda for coming to our university was we have 700,000 books in mm-hmm. our stacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's so inefficient to get to that. Yeah. Right. I, I think, no, I don't personally, I don't think there's anything bad. Of, mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of negative in that. Yeah. I told you about this a little bit a while ago and I, it, this stalled out cause I was busy, but it was really fun. I was building a sci-fi world using chat oh, yeah. GPT. Yeah. And um, I had it envision like a backstory and a universe and planets and factions and ships and all these details, which already all that stuff I couldn't have just done by myself. Could not have. No, okay. I mean that's the scale is just yeah. to think about it, and <laughs> I could have it invent languages like Tolkien did for yeah. his characters, yeah. like you know, like the depth of that. But then I would have it like go and like write a trilogy or whatever. Okay, I feel sad now, <laughs> and it's funny you mentioned Tolkien, and yeah, and you know. If we cheapen, and we will, if we devalue great literary output, for some reason that feels sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's strange, right? You have more of it. Well, we were talking about the paintings. I think it's along those lines. What you can do within your limited capacity is amazing, but the second you, a machine's doing it, it's not amazing because it's just not. Like, you know... But but I, though I would tack onto that when I was doing the sci-fi thing, my my family would be like, "You didn't do that. The AI did that." But I was involved because I felt yeah. like rather than doing the fine grained details, I was painting with a big brush because as it right. wrote the story, I'd be like, "Well, I don't like that. Go back and redo that." Yeah, you know. Yeah, there's still creativity there. I, boy, 
I don't know. Is the value of Lord of the Rings trilogy, it's, you know, presentation of an archetype, archetypical, you know, I, I, is it, is it, is it, is it valuable because a human made it or is it valuable because it is what it is? Mm hmm. You yeah, I mean? right. The, there's the thing. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't even know how to put it into words. Yeah. I'm going to have to ask the AI how to phrase that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Like if an alien had dropped it off, mm -hmm. you know, I think it would be and you if just it found was exactly it. the same. I think it would be just as cool. Yeah. It's valuable. If there were a thousand other stories like it generated by AI, yeah, gosh, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't yeah, know. because some of that, then you could like, you could personalize the story, like instead of like the Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings, Universal Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. an AI could make one for Richard and yeah. one for Chris and every other person on the planet. So where it's not even designer literary drugs. Yeah, but part of it's that shared experience, you know, that matters. If everyone's living Absolutely. in a splintered reality and there's no common yeah. anything to discuss. So let me give you an old person's uh, perspective here. Yeah. Not that old, but when I was young, there were, you know, bef just before cable TV came, you had uh, three network channels and maybe an independent. Um, I think you were raised in Colorado as well. So, you know, and but you were too young to know about this. There was Channel 2 was a local Denver station. And then you had NBC, CBS, ABC. And when you encountered other people, school, classmates, whatever, you all saw the same thing. Yeah. Right? Did you see this show? And you had something to talk about. And you yeah. had common ground. And and now, you know, there's some peop shows people binge watch, on, binge watch on, but there's a million things splintered is a good word yeah. you used. So do you think AI is bound to make that worse? Or, like, if anyone can generate from a prompt a fully cinematic hour-and-a-half movie... Are there going to be some that rise to the top that everyone still discusses or not? <laughs> I have no idea. I yeah. have no idea. I, uh, I mean, we see it happening now. We see our attention split to YouTube and YouTube shorts and TikTok and Instagram, and, and it's all splintered. Um, the percentage of time is that is splintered is I would say is obviously going up. Yeah. Blockbusters, however, are bigger than ever. Are they? Right? I don't know. Yeah, I mean we have billion dollar well I mean yeah, I mean we have big adjusted for inflation. Yeah, that... it'd be interesting to look at the movie you know, so there's no question like um well we should look at uh, historical studio revenue. Mm -hmm. That would be interesting to see if Hollywood's percentage share of attention. We know yeah. the percentage share of the attention span is going down, but is the revenue yeah. going down? Well, see, I think humans are social, right? You, no one wants to go be lonely by themselves in a cave. You, you crave that social interaction. Most. Most. Yeah, <laughs> most. Let, but that's fair. Let's say most. But if you can be, quote unquote, social with an NPC in your own universe that's totally tailored to your likes and, and dislikes and, and and you don't ever have to interact with a real human, but it seems like you're act interacting with actual people, you know, then no one maybe would even communicate or talk about anything. It's important to have a society to like have shared things, you know, maybe. And it's too general. You're, you're, you're saying 
You're saying it's important. I think it's I important. I think it is. I think it's important. Unless you went in and edited out, you know, the the hu- out of the human genome, you know, like that. Now we now we're getting into transhuman stuff. I'm I'm gonna go back and watch the uh, Star Trek episode <laughs> about the Nexus. Is that uh-huh. what it's called? It was yeah. Jean Luc Picard is put into this idyllic family. He gets a family, and uh, you know he's in a lives in a vineyard or whatever. And but it was fake. And right. He. I want to go back and see his. You know why he didn't want to stay there. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see. First of all, I'm noticing a pattern. Star Trek comes up every time. <laughs> I know you really love it. Star Trek was, you know, I'm not like this giant Trekkie, but it was influential in my life. You know, two times the the ep- reruns of the the original '60s series. Um, probably when I was like a a latchkey kid uh, after school, coming home, seeing an episode of. You know, at that age where it like really impacted me thinking about these things. You know, there was an episode of the original series back in the 60s where they were brought down to a planet and they were made to fight. They didn't know why, but these like, you know, superior beings were making them fight. Turns out the superior beings were little brains in in dishes, in domes. Uh And they had evolved to this point where all they did was like entertain themselves. And they captured right. species and made them fight like gladiators and things. Right. And I mean, what an interesting thing 60 years ago to think about because yeah. we're there. We're, we're right. kind of thinking about that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. they explored some Star Trek topics years ago. The Borg, you know, the that's, collective. Yeah. yeah. It's I funny. Mean, yeah. It goes on, though. It, it goes on and on, you know, the yeah. limits of, of galaxies and, and things like that. Um, and I, I really appreciated Star Trek because there's a lot of science fiction that's dystopic. Yeah. Star Trek presented a somewhat optimistic view. Oh, it was super future. utopian. Yeah. It was uh Yeah, but they still admitted there a lot of bad. I mean, there was still it was it was it was colored right for me. I liked yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. No, I've heard a lot of people say it was uh formative for them becoming like engineers and and like sure. dreaming things up. It's funny. I used to watch two episodes. It was in reruns at the time before I'd go to bed when I was a kid of Voyager. Oh before, yeah. Before it was on like nine that's, and ten or something. That's I'd funny. watch my kids. That was our uh, a treat. No TV, but I would show them a Voyager episode. I don't know if it was once how often it happened, but uh, and we were we lived in the woods on a lake with no internet uh, or bad internet, and so. Like I would have a cellular hotspot, uh, and there'd be times where the connection was bad, and they would just sit for buffering. You know, a, a forty-minute show would take like two and a half hours, and they wanted it. Yeah, because <laughs> it was so limited. But yeah, Voyager was a good one. So, do you feel um, this kind of brings up the topic of like, is it important for society to have these sci-fi, um, just to envision a sci-fi future? Does it help? Does it is it important for moving tech or future of society and technology moving forward? You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Do I, you have to have that component? Is it? I don't know important? if you have to, but it's definitely inspirational to people. There's if no Star question. Trek hadn't and been around, what would the impact? And if been? it's an optimistic one, right? Yeah. And you take Blade Runner, and it's like, oh, let's be careful, right? I mean, we're looking at two sides. Again. That's almost good, though, right? Yeah, to have the probably, bad side. It's probably good because it gets people thinking. Yeah. I think yeah. both of those, and and then the question is, where do you, where do you spend all your time? Do you dwell on the hopeful and the positive? Yeah. Ignore the bad. Do you yeah. just focus strictly on the bad? It seems to me like my what I've landed on is let's, let's focus mostly on this while acknowledging there's bad and making sure you factor that in along the way. But yeah. um, 
Yeah, I think I think a lot of us, and I used to probably spend a lot too too much on the bad side. Yeah. So you yeah. would say that you have a prime directive of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Cool. Well, Good episode. I well, think. Nice talk. Yeah. Always always interesting stuff going on. Yeah. Hopefully we won't be in Civil War two next time we. Yeah, it'll be good if we can have another episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I want you to give me your number. I want you, uh, you know, think about it. Is it is it close to zero percent that we fracture as a country? Is there a five percent chance, fifty percent? Oh, okay. I I actually think I you could argue that um, the average citizen like just wants to live. They want shelter. They want you know the basic necessities handled, Um, and then you have. other forces, you know, with re- interests that are, you know, trying to play out, you know, throughout the population. But I would think we're sort of already in like a cold war in a way. And it's like on the digital mm-hmm. front. So what I mean by that is it'd be a lot easier to introduce something like a CBDC and all of a sudden whoever's in charge, you know, your digital dollar can't buy this or that item right. or, you know, like that sort of quote-unquote warfare yeah there's another existential risk i think that's more likely to play out than something kinetic Mm -hmm. um is my is my thinking but but like the border is kinetic right now there are people there are troops there are obstacles you know razor wire and it's happening I mean, yeah, I agree. It's very unlikely, I think, that we'll turn into well, like arguably, a federal state, uh, you know, confrontation, you know, with, yeah. with weapons. Um, but I do think there's some chance. I mean, I think there's some chance. Because Texans, yeah. I lived in Texas. I mean, they're like, screw you. We're going to do what we're going to do. Well, if Texas was its own country, it'd be huge. And it, that on yeah. its own would be something I would, to I deal would, with. I, I've thought about that. I think I'd move there. <laughs> yeah. I know, like literally. But literally. the cost, though, for a president to say, I'm going to treat this as, you know, like a, a something to do, like to go and, and make, you know, by force. Yeah. That's not a little, a light it's, thing. It's not to, little, except I think you run into a lot of thing, a lot of times where people don't make rational decisions, right? Yeah. They're either at the end of their life or they're a little bit eccentric or they're, you know, I, I think... I think there's a lot of things that, that can influence that decision making that may not be rational and hopeful like we think. And I thought that was Saddam Hussein when that whole thing went down. It's like, okay, you know, is he going to make the right choices here? And I don't think they always think rationally. That's true. Yeah, there's and that's something. scary, and that's what scares me, right? Yes, there's a lot. I the, the the danger is when you have people who feel like they don't have anything to lose. You know, as long as there's people who feel like I, there's too much for me to lose, you know, yeah, and and then you have to have a national, you have to have a national identity, like something that you care about enough to engage in a conflict where you lose everything. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, there's a lot of historical leaders who had, you know, they had a lot. They had almost, they had, you know, empires, and yet they risk it and they go for the next level, and then they collapse and they're done. And so, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah. in general, I think if people are comfortable, they're going to avoid conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think poor, desperate people are more likely to make, you know, make Yeah, problems. well, you could argue that with the border and stuff, like, conflict is what s- some people might want. They may be, like, waiting for that to happen. Like, 
Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why I say that because um, I think Musk was the one who said like, when we were talking, we talked about this last episode, laws don't die. They're immortal, but people do mm-hmm. and yeah. you need some way to sunset. Yeah. We talked about that. But Musk was saying like, you know, that the way that that was dealt with in the past was a war got fought. And that's what sunsetted yeah. certain things. We see the yeah. Napoleonic code, which was short lived and how, you know, um, I see some of the right calling for a uh, convention of states, you know? So I don't know. We either work it out, we um, have conflict, serious conflict, or we work it out politically, you know, or we restructure peacefully. Um, well, yeah, I feel like you, you said you would move to Texas. I feel like a lot of people have uh, are already been sort of sorting themselves. They have been. You see some people yeah. moving to California, maybe? Or yeah. do you see anyone moving to California? You see a lot of people moving uh, no. to the net, other... I don't know if you've seen the charts of uh, migration. Then it's, it's out of the Northeast and out of California. Yeah. And all the arrows, and they have width of the arrow. You know, Most uh-huh. of it's going to Texas and Florida. So you could call that the great sort. It's it, kind of happening. Yeah, it's a good word, good term. Did, you, did you coin that? Out? I got it from Shapiro. Oh, okay. Yeah, the great from who? Shapiro. Shapiro. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the great sort. That's that is happening. I mean, Shapiro did it, right? He went. He went from. Uh, I can't figure out. Is he officially in Nashville, or I think he's Florida. I think he's he in moved Florida. to Florida, yeah. but the company's in Nashville. Company's yeah. in Nashville. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not rooting for it, but no. at the same time, if, if the country's, it's like it's not like it's like seventy thirty. It's like. There's half the country and half it's like forty nine fifty one or something. Yeah. You know, it's like well, literally, you see that in the elections, and literally, you saw this in the past twenty four hours with Texas. Yeah, twenty five states yeah. signed on, and where are they? They're in the South and the mid Midwest. Yeah, they're the Republican states, and the West Coast and the Northeast. Yeah, are not on board with it. So there's this, you know, and it's funny because it's like I said, they started the, the show with saying the band is back together. It's like. <laughs> Yeah, it's that civil war kind of line, almost exactly. Still. Well, no rational person like would be rooting for a no. conflict. No, I absolutely mean, not. Um, but at the same time, it's just like there's there, you. One side wants to push something on the other, and they can't take it anymore. I'm not saying what side. Mm-hmm. It could be either side. You know, mm-hmm. like it's just like two fundamentally different sets of morals, and right. and you know, yeah, yeah. Eh. Well, we'll see. Okay, next right. time. Yep, yep. Good, Good stuff. stuff. So for people uh, listening, watching, uh, check the show notes. You can subscribe to the channel so you can get more content like this. Also, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Find us on X. Um, all that stuff's linked up down below. And we'll catch you next time. Take care.